This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, and welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, King of Banter, very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, we're live. We are live. Let's do it. For a very tiny percentage of the people listening, but we are live nonetheless. Whether you are listening to this live or listening to this sometime in the future. Rich, people will be listening to this in the future. Um which is actually no different than any other it's show. It's literally every episode we've ever done. But yes, it's so weird. These future people. Hi, future people. Yeah. But um, now there is a, a small select group of listeners listening to this live as it happens. And I have to say, 99 out of 100 shows we do, it is one clean, perfect three-hour take. No breaks. No flubs. No need for editing. I'm telling you right now, we're going to screw up about 19 times on this one. Because everybody's listening to it. Oh, for sure. And there's like an extra nervousness to this as well. Like I was thinking about it getting ready. And I don't know if it's like super nervous or just kind of this like energy that I, because I was like, we went live like last weekend with the WrestleMania and probably more people listening to that. But for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, it's a flagship. Oh man, it's three hours. Like, and everyone's going to listen and everyone's waiting. You know what I mean? Like everyone, those other live streams, people are just like, oh, cool. Joe and Richard talk, but they're waiting for this one for some reason. I could feel it. I could feel that energy. People just dying to hear us screw up. Eh, you know, it doesn't make me nervous. I mean, we've gone live before, just never for the full three-hour flagship or however long this show goes. Who knows if we have three hours worth of content? Maybe less, maybe more. Who knows? But um, what made me nervous doing the two WrestleMania recap shows last weekend was I had the chat room pulled up, and that was distracting to me, mm-hmm. reading people, reading people's thoughts on what we were saying in real time, that was a distraction. So I'm not going to have that open anymore because that really did kind of throw me off at a couple points. Because, you know, in real time, you've got people like either disputing what you're saying or or adding on to what you're saying. And then I'm in a groove here. And that throws me off when that happens. So I'm going to ignore the chat in the, in, 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 you know, a little room you got set up for the live listening. And to me, now it's just another show. I mean, you know, it's the same show we do every week. It's just these people listening live, they're not going to get the bells and whistles. That's all. They don't get the intro. If we go bouncing, they don't get the music, you know? So that's really the only difference. But uh, got a ton to get to. Way to sell it. Way way to sell it, Joe. Jesus Christ. No, from my own perspective, that's how I view it. it. You're just like, yeah, I'm not going to pay attention to all you, and none of you are listening, and you're not going to get all the bells and whistles and shit, but hey, $10. So for your $10 a month, 
I will ignore you. That's basically <laughs> Go on business as usual. Well, I will okay. check out the chat room. It is it is a little distracting, but I've got it kind of used to it. So I will try to interact with some people from time to time. But I uh, do understand that when we do these, like we do the, the instant reactions and stuff like that, that's kind of fun, kind of loose or whatever. But, man, voice wrestling, you know, the, the flagship, we, we, it's, it's hyper-focused, man. It's three hours of, like, you got to have your takes ready. So I can't be, like you're saying, I can't be every minute looking at the chat room, every minute responding because I got to get ready for that take. I got to get ready for that response. Yeah, I just I'm gonna ignore the chat. It was my guinea pig last week. The chat was too distracting for me, so I'm gonna blow it off. But what this does give these people is, you know, we don't have to. It's like if you're one of these people who are bothering us on Twitter or in the Discord or bothering Rich rather every 30 seconds. Hey, when's the flagship going up? Hey, when are we gonna get the flagship? Now you can just listen to it when we're fucking doing it, and you don't have to harass Rich for you know uh 24 hours straight uh wondering when he's gonna upload the thing because uh you don't have to wait anymore now you can just listen to us do it live so uh got a lot to get to wrestlemania fallout and uh and and our sort of uh big picture thoughts on wrestlemania now that we're almost one week removed from the event and then uh the revival finally got what they've been asking for they have been released by the WWE. There's some XFL news that we have to talk about that I think a lot of people may be misinterpreting. And then there's a lot of stuff to get to in Japan. Rich, this is a big Japan podcast now. We've yeah, done we, we, we only Japan. cover big Japan. Yeah, I've watched more big Japan in the last two weeks because they're just, I mean, of all the companies, they just kind of seem like they're just kind of doing their thing, you know, just kind of soldiering on. We'll talk about how that's not really the case moving forward. But yeah, for the last month or so, it's been like, there's always Big Japan for you. You know, there's some other companies that are popping up. All Japan's got a show. We're going to talk about that. There's, you know, some Noah shows we're going to talk about. But, man, Old Reliable has just been Big Japan, man. If you need some graps, Big Japan's there for you. Whatever you need them to. It's, I've watched so much Big Japan over the last month, and I'm not complaining. It's been pretty good stuff. Yeah, Big Japan, uh, one of the few promotions that never really stopped their regular routine. They just kept their normal touring going with fans all of this time. Uh, that is coming to an end, though. Luckily, too, it was during the strong climb. So at least it was interesting shows. You know, at least it wasn't Big Japan on some just normal rank and file tour. I got to be honest. I don't know if I could have sat through those shows. No, I definitely but, skipped those. Yeah, but watching, you know, four or five, you know, strong climb matches in, in, in a given video or whatever makes it a lot easier. Then it's like, oh, OK, cool. These are like and they're, and they're all like and, and we'll talk about them when we, we, we discuss it a little bit today. I mean, I've been really impressed by a lot of the work. But yeah, if it was half show or if it was you know two good matches and a bunch of boring ass deathmatch shit, I probably would not be watching these shows. But yeah, it, it, it came at a very, very good time. So we'll get to the big Japan and we'll catch everybody up on uh, where things <laughs> As I burp on air. There it is. <laughs> I never. I would have never added that burp anyway. Yeah, you know, I just keep it. Absolutely in, right? not. That would have been there. You know, and that's because I took a gigantic gulp of the Coke Z before we started uh, to clear out my uh, my throat. I've been coughing a lot, Rich. Oh, good, <laughs> fantastic. I've been coughing a lot, Rich. I don't know. Could be the thing. You never know. But uh, we'll get to the big Japan. Catch everybody up on strong climbing. And as Rich said, there was an all Japan, no people show, which I thought was very interesting. So we will talk about the All Japan No People Show with a very hyped main event. Uh, but uh, I, I think I like the undercard better than I like oh, the main yeah. event. Oh, we'll, yeah. We'll talk about so, that a little bit. But yeah. we'll the, get to the, that. The main, event, the, <laughs> the main event, Edge Norton and Gargano and Ciampa are all still going on as we're recording this show. So we'll see uh, when those end and we can give instant reactions to every single one of those matches as they end. So A good transition then into our first topic because one thing I've learned with – the uh, no people shows, empty arena shows, whatever you want to call them. Uh, shorter is better. 
I think I can at least settle on that opinion. Uh, the longer these things go, the more experimental these groups get, the less I enjoy it. That's sort of been a trend, whether it's the experimental WWE cinematic adventures or, you know, what they, they tried in the Noah main event a couple of weeks ago that we talked about, the staring contest for 32 minutes, the All Japan main event. And look, I get it. They put basically their top six guys in a main event and, you know, told them to just to, to kill a full hour. And, and, and I get it. I get, I get the idea behind all of these different attempts to, to work around not having fans. But, man, the stuff that I seem to have liked best has been the stuff that's been short, snug, hard-hitting, get to the point. Uh, that seems to be at least my preferred uh, way of handling the no fans. Yeah, so when we talk about the All Japan show, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But, yeah, you, you kind of told me, hey, you know, watch this All Japan show and, and, and be ready. Uh, the main event's very long. <laughs> get prepared for that main event. But the undercard is really good. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. And, and I'm watching these matches, and they're going by pretty quickly. They're ending in a few minutes or whatnot. And I'm thinking, okay, that's – and the, the first match happened and it ended in, like, ten minutes or five minutes or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. And then the next match is, like, five minutes long. I'm like, all right, I get it. And then they have, like, three or four matches, and they all end in, like, five to ten minutes all in this short little period. And I, I, I kind of came away the same way you did as well, being like, you know what? That was pretty cool. I enjoy that. I like that when it's kind of snappy. And that's – that's if you, if anybody who listened to our instant reaction on, on night one of WrestleMania, that was our thought is, like, cool. They changed their style. They reduced the time that the matches went. They didn't get too full of themselves. They just went in, did their work, and got out of there. Like, Daniel Bryan and, and, and Sami Zayn was like, they didn't – it didn't need to go ten extra minutes. It – did what it needed to do, and it got out of there. And that's pretty much what the entire night one of WrestleMania was. And still, in retrospect, a week later, whatever, you know, in hindsight, I still, that WrestleMania night one, I will still put up among any of the empty arena stuff I've seen so far over the last few months because I think it was just a concise show. It was a good show. It was a tight little, like, what, three and a half hours or whatever. Every match had enough time but not too much time. And and even, like, the Boneyard thing we'll, we'll talk about again in a bit. Like, even that didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. Whereas WrestleMania Night 2 and a lot of the other stuff I've been seeing lately, especially this NXT that we'll talk about uh, this week as well, it's it's a lot of companies are deciding, oh, how do we do this? We need to have longer matches, bigger matches, you know, lengthier stuff and, 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 and cinematic and all this sort of stuff. And I, maybe for some people that works, but for me, I'm just liking these tight five to 10 minute matches, get in, get out, do your stuff, have a nice, simple match and, and, and move on. Like that stuff works for me. That worked on night one of WrestleMania for me. It works in the all Japan. It's worked, I think largely for AEW. I think they've done a pretty good job of, of, of sort of tailoring their TV to that. Whereas, you know, WrestleMania night two, NXT, this all Japan main events, the Noah thing. Like I'm not into like just sitting and watching an hour long match or an hour long segment or whatever. Like that stuff is, is starting to grind on me a little bit. And that sort of stuff is making me dislike empty arena wrestling way more than any other aspect of, of empty arena wrestling. And the small stuff, the quick matches, the hard hitting stuff, the, the passion, that stuff's got me, that stuff's hooking me. And that stuff's making me not for, you know, I don't care. I don't care that there's no fans. I watched that All Japan show and I got two matches in and I didn't even realize there were no fans. Like I, I don't know, I was just stupid, I guess. But I'm realizing and they're 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 quick, they're, they're shot well, it's the tight shot, it's all that sort of stuff that we'll, we'll talk about when we get there. And I was like, man, I didn't even realize there were no fans here. Whereas these long hour slogs, they just they they I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of them, and 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 we've had a lot of them in this last last week and the last two weeks. I think it even speaks to when we were reviewing the WrestleMania matches over the weekend. And if people want the match by match reviews of the, uh, of the two WrestleMania shows, 
you get those on the $10 tier behind the paywall. I think we did over three hours of total content between the two nights. So uh, if you want the front to back uh, deep dive on the WrestleMania shows, match by match, uh, the way that you guys know we like to do, uh, that's there for you. We're not going to do it again today. We can't repeat all of our same talking points. This is going to be more big picture thoughts on WrestleMania now that we're like a week removed and some of the fallout coming out of the show. Mm -hmm. But I think when we reviewed those shows, uh, what you're saying here and what what we're talking about is all of the matches sort of feel longer when there's no fans because there were a few matches at WrestleMania where as we were reviewing them, we were like, ah, this match was so fucking long. I couldn't believe how long this this match went. And then you would look it up and be like, Joe, the match was 16 minutes. And then we were like, no fucking way. That match had to be, you know, 28 minutes long. So that's even more reason to kind of keep these things tight and keep them short. Because the longer you stay out there with no fans, the more noticeable it is that you're staying out there with no fans. So uh, I don't know. To me, it's, it's, it, it feels to me like shorter is better. You know, I'm starting to wear thin on the no fan stuff, but it's the reality right now. And that's all we're going to have for, you know, moving forward. Now, Dynamite this past week, I thought, you know, the atmosphere there was much improved again because they had the wrestlers back on the outside of the ring. The All Japan show, I thought what they did uh, was was uh, worked perfectly. I mean, they dimmed the lights, number one. Couldn't even see the seats. Yeah, they cut everything. Yeah, you could only see the ring, which is perfect. I don't know why any, nobody else has thought of that. They dimmed the lights, all tight shots with the ring. And then what they were doing as as the wrestlers were finishing their matches – those guys were going and then sitting in the seats. So then by the time the main event came around, you had like, you know, 20 guys. <laughs> Screaming, Kanto, Kanto, Kanto. Right. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Yet everybody else from the card is now sitting in the seats along with, you know, the office people and whoever else was there. So it kind of like what it did was it created a vibe where the deeper you got into the card, the, the rowdier – the crowd was because there were simply more people in the crowd and it kind of was like the natural escalation of a real show right where the crowd might not be as amped up for the prelims as they are for the main event so i thought the atmosphere at the all japan show was excellent um i thought aw dynamite has been hit or miss you know when they're allowed to have the the, the wrestlers around ringside i think it's been they've done a great job and as we've talked about a million times wwe wrestlemania included has been just the hardest to watch and the hardest to get through. I don't know what it is about the performance center and full sale that just hasn't worked. Um, you know, initially we know it was the hard camera placement and those things, but they adjusted. They copied AEW. They started doing tighter camera shots. But for whatever reason, it's just is it because WWE is so bright? Is it all of the I don't I don't know. It's just they seem to those for me at least seem to be the hardest shows to get through. Yeah, and, and I think WrestleMania, we saw a little bit of an improvement. We talked about it the night of, is that, you know, especially night one and, and through parts of, of night two, there seemed to be a different idea and a different sort of ideology from the wrestlers as well. I don't know if that kit was top down or if the producers came up with that, but everything was a little stiffer. Everything was a little harder. They were basically like, hey, yell a little bit more, be more vocal, hit a little harder, hit a little tighter, you know, make everything look a little bit better, look a little more snug because that's the way we're going to be able to get by this. And I, I think that they in a way, have adjusted a little bit better. But there was also the, the idea, too, of, of, of doing it back-to-back days and having to sit down for seven hours of, of you know, empty arena wrestling. It's just, it, it's too much. It wears on you. And, and that's not to say, night one was a better night than night two, 
But there were aspects of night two that were still pretty good. But even then, like halfway through, you're just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of over this. I'm sort of done with all this empty arena stuff. And I kind of just want to watch anything or do anything else. So that I, I think the, the length of the shows, you know, combined in, in the two days probably played into it. But I will say I, I will give WWE a little bit of credit because they have in, in some ways sort of changed and altered the way that they produce the wrestling. Like you said, the hard camera has changed. Um, the 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 work has changed a little bit. They've tried to do a little bit more with trying to you know at least adapt to it. But then they've also, in in some ways, and we'll, I guess we'll we'll talk about it maybe here right now is they've also pivoted to a lot of the okay. Well, for our big time matches, we'll go cinematic. We'll go with what we had with the Boneyard match or the the one last beats match between Gargano and Ciampa or the uh, the Firefly Funhouse or whatever. They've kind of pivoted in that direction as well. He's saying, hey, look, we can't fix some of this stuff. We can't really fake an Undertaker match. We can't really fake like a big time, big grudge match uh, in front of no fans. So let's go in this direction. Let's go cinematic. Let's go with this sort of stuff. And, you know, for some people it's working. For some people it's not. It, it, it's kind of a match-by-match <laughs> case in a lot of ways where the Boneyard match seemed to have worked for everybody uh, for reasons we'll kind of talk about here and, and, and maybe sort of reflect on what we had, you know, our opinions were uh, last weekend as well. The Funhouse varying degrees as well. I think we can we could probably talk about that a little bit too. Uh, and then Gargano Ciampa, which I know you talked about in the TV reviews at, at patreon.com uh, slash voices wrestling. A little plug there. But um, that one seems to be universally panned. And now I do wonder if maybe WWE, like they like they want to do, like they do often, maybe is going a little too heavy into that right now and has already kind of ruined that sort of, quote, cinematic or that sort of feel uh, for people as well. Because we've seen now three matches in that vein, in that similar sort of vein, and each one has maybe had less, you know, for, for various reasons, but each one has had less sort of praise as it's gone on. And I do wonder if they might overdo that if they if, if they continue going in that path. I think they would have done two of them anyway. I think people are off base when they say, "Oh, WWE just uh, you know they're adjusting the circumstances, so you know it, you know they're they're trying new things." I think the Boneyard match and the Bray thing would have happened whether we had this situation or not. I, I just now the third one, no, because that was just going to be a takeover match. The Gargano and uh, Tommaso Ciampa match was just going to be the main event of TakeOver. It was going to be their blow-off. Actually, though, to be honest, they probably would have had the same exact match just with fans. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and that's that's like that's kind of my take on that match as well, and we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit more detail, but, like, it was exactly what I expected it to be. It was just kind of hokey because it was done in the cinematic thing, and, 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 and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with all this stuff, and, and I guess we could talk about it when we talk about Boneyard Match and, and Firefly Funhouse thing or whatever. People didn't hear our takes uh, on those originally. You and I weren't really mad about them. We weren't really, like, annoyed about those matches. We just... I think you and I are both kind of in the same wavelength, and, and, and I'm still at this wavelength. Like, yeah, they're fine. They were okay. They were, like, fun or whatever, but, like... I don't really think that there are any transcendent, like, game-changing, oh, my God, wrestling now always needs to be this, and this is what wrestling should be, and all the evolution of the art form and all that sort of stuff, because that's what we were hearing this weekend. And, and I actually kind of wanted to, to, to hear what your you know your take was, because we haven't talked about this since uh, WrestleMania, but do you think that people have sort of calmed down on that a little bit? It felt like in the moment, like it did for deletions and all this other stuff, like, anytime one of these matches happens... In the moment, it's like, oh my god, wrestling has changed forever. We'll never go back to wrestling matches. This is the way it needs to be forever. And then little by little, it kind of goes down and goes away and it goes away. And now we're like a week later. And I feel like that's sort of calmed down a little bit. I feel like the, the the people screaming about how this is the new, this is what wrestling should always be. Those people have kind of been stomped down or maybe the excitement of the night of have, has kind of worn off. And now we're kind of back to being like, yeah, it was fun for what it was, but let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. I think whenever anybody really enjoys anything you're going to have some hyperbole in the moment so 
I do think there's some of that. Um, but I do think there's still some people who genuinely feel that way and would like to see more of this stuff. And there's no way for me to make the next point without sounding condescending, without sounding like I'm an elitist, without sounding rude. Um, but I really... But I think we are wanted... all of those, though, so that's okay. That's fine. Hey, listen. Most of the time, I am. That is correct. <laughs> we are what we are, so... But on this following point, I really don't intend it from that sort of... Uh, in that sort of way. I think the people who genuinely feel that way, who think that wrestling should be more of this, they just don't... They're not pro wrestling fans. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, what they want is something that isn't pro wrestling. And... There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, it's like it, like we tried to convey last weekend, but I never feel like we do a good enough job conveying. You know, you, you could like what you like, and if you like this stuff, that's great, but it's not that's not what pro wrestling is. Pro wrestling is not a carefully choreographed, uh, professionally filmed B-movie fight scene. That's not pro wrestling. So if you like that, that's great. If you want more of that, that's great. But, you know... You're, you're trying to inherently change what pro wrestling is. You want something other than pro wrestling to entertain you. Um, same thing with the Bray thing. That's not even a match. That was just – it was a a, a, uh, a video. It was just a – it was a vignette. It was a video package with Bray's vision of John Cena's character arc is what it was. Um, but it wasn't a wrestling match. And it's like, again, it didn't upset me because it's the – look, if, if a promotion that I was emotionally invested in had presented these things, I'd be really upset and I'd be screaming and yelling about them because if I emotionally invest in a wrestling company, that's, that's sort of breaking their trust with me if they do things that are not pro wrestling that exceed the bounds of my accepted level of kayfabe. And they break that trust with me. I'm going to be annoyed. Like when I was screaming and yelling about Matt Hardy, you know, and his, and his disappearing act on dynamite a few weeks ago, that bothered me. And I was annoyed by it. And I was mad online because that's not what AEW is to me. So it annoyed me. WWE can do this stuff. and It doesn't bother me because I'm not emotionally invested. I don't care what they do. Uh, I keep them at arm's length uh, more and more. Like it's not even an arm anymore. I keep them at like fucking, a COVID length at this point, there's a six foot dis- distance between me and WWE at this point in my life. I don't care what they do. They can put a title on anybody they want. They can do these dopey videos all they want. They can have Undertaker be fucking magical all they want because they have already run me off from being invested in what they do. I watch them at arm's length and I enjoy the good stuff that they do give me. And I don't get worked up when they do things that used to annoy me. But if you want more of this stuff, you just don't. It's it's just you don't want pro wrestling because that's not what pro wrestling is. Pro wrestling is not John Cena having a match in his mind against a monster. I mean, it's just absurd. You know, it, it's it's you, you cross any line of of uh, you, you, you cross. Everyone has their own line, their own line of of accepted kayfabe, and that goes well beyond mine. Um. You know, were these things well-produced? Yeah, they were. Well, the NXT one was not. I think we could talk about that one more in depth because we haven't talked about it yet. But the other two were very well-produced, okay, by the standards of wrestling. Um, and I understand why people enjoyed them. If, if, if that became the future of WWE, 
Um, on one hand, I, I would not – I would hate that because WWE is the market leader and I don't want to see wrestling go in that direction because that's not wrestling anymore. But on the other hand, that'd be kind of cool because then I could just write them off completely. <laughs> I mentioned that. I mentioned that when I finished uh, watching uh, the NXT thing. I was like, you know what? If they decide to pivot to this and this is like the new normal, that's good. Cool. I'll just watch Japan and Indies all day. <laughs> like that's fine. You know what, guys? Knock yourself out. Go do that because, like you said, then it ceases to be pro wrestling. Then I don't feel like because we always say on the show and people always say, oh, you guys don't have to talk about WWE since you don't, you know, if you hate it or all this sort of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but we do, though. I mean, we, we, we say that all the time, like the shows that we talk about WWE do better than the other shows. The shows that we talk about and preview WWE do better than the other shows. The articles that we post that are about WWE do better than all of our other stuff. They, they, they're the market leader. They're what people listen to, care about, follow, whatever you want to say. Like, we, we just can't ignore them. We can't do this sort of show and just ignore WWE. We have we have pared it down to the absolute, like, the last amount that we can do. We cover the major shows. We cover the major news, all that sort of stuff. But otherwise, we're not watching Raw. We're not reviewing Raw and SmackDown. We've always said if we wanted to make the most money on this website, you and I, every single fucking Monday night would go on here and go, all right, Joe, here's what happened on Raw. Like, you know what I mean? Or, hey, here's SmackDown. Braun Strowman came out and said, someone's going to get these hands. Like, we could do that. And we'd make way more money than we do now, but I'd rather kill myself than do that. I'd rather have COVID, like Joe, than do that. We would, I I think, conservatively, we would double our subscribers if we reviewed Raw and SmackDown, like, live right after the show. The show's ended. The way that Post does and Figure Four Weekly does. I mean, and I'm not knocking those guys. Okay, but if we did that, we could double our subscriber, but we can't do it. I can't. I can't. No, I would God, hate no. my life. I, I just, I just even saying life. it, I almost threw up just thinking about watching SmackDown and going, ah, yeah, sorry, Michelle. I'll be, I'll be in bed in one minute. I just got to, you know, in, in an hour, I just have to talk to Joe about uh, Braun Strowman telling, uh, you know, Baron Corbin to get these hands. So I'll be right back. Like it would, it would infuriate me. So next, Rich, Liv Morgan took on Sarah Logan. <laughs> right. uh, this went, I can't do it. I mean, I, I give those guys a lot of credit. It's so do. hard. Yeah. It, I, it, people don't understand. I mean, in the same breath that you're saying, like, we, we're not going to, we're not putting them down for doing it by saying that we would never do it. But all, mostly because I don't know what, I don't know what I would talk about. I, like, it would be the most boring hour show ever because, yeah, you saying, okay, Liv Morgan beat uh, Sarah Logan. Uh, she won via roll up by distraction. So, what do you think about that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Just Sarah Logan will win next week. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, that's and our show fact, right there. That's the first and, hour. It's just. And the other problem is 90% of the time we wouldn't like what we were watching. So it wouldn't be interesting to listen. It would be interesting to listen to like the first couple of weeks. Ah, listen to these two maniacs just tear WWE apart. By week three or week four, everybody would be bored. By week five or week six or week seven or week 10, everyone would think that we were just grumps who were trying not to like. You cannot win in that situation. And honestly, it would turn us into – uh, grumps who are trying not to like because we fucking hate ourselves for uh, for forcing ourselves to do it every week. But um, it's kind of drifting off the main point. But the main point here is, I mean, you know, people like any. I, I've talked about this for like three weeks now, but people like it's like they tend to really get into anything that's different. You know, in the, especially in the moment. You know, whether it's the 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 staring contest match or these kind of matches, they're so different. That it's like it hits people and they're like, whoa, this is, you know, but here's the thing. If Go Shiozaki and Kaz Fujita stared at each other for a half hour before every match, you'd grow to hate it very quickly. And if WWE did this stuff and just pivoted hard towards this and this kind of became the house style, 
music playing while the matches are going on. Matches filmed more like fight sequences than traditional pro wrestling matches. Uh, just all kinds of mystical bullshit and everything else. It would tank the company. Because people like this stuff uh, as an occasional taste in the moment. But if you overload on this, it's not pro wrestling anymore. So you're going to run off everybody that just wants to watch wrestling, which is most of your audience. And the people who think that this is what they want wrestling to be would be tired of it very quickly. Right. Very quickly. How many bone? Could you really watch something like a boneyard match every week? I mean, even if you liked it, ask yourself that. You, you, it, you know, it would wear out very quickly because at that point, it's not pro wrestling anymore. It's just a bad TV show. And there's good TV shows out there for you to watch if you want that kind of thing that aren't starring pro wrestlers who are bad at acting. So it, it would wear off very quickly and it would bomb tremendously. And quite honestly, we have sort of the template for that already. And it seems to be the answer that the people who want to argue the opposite way always give when they say, Lucha Underground did it. Lucha Underground was great. Right. But you just owned yourself because Lucha Underground failed because they tried that. And, and, and the deeper they pivoted into this kind of stuff, the less people that watched. So and then eventually it became unsustainable and they went out of business. So, I mean, uh, so to just the long winded answer to the question you asked originally is uh, I think that there probably are people who wouldn't mind seeing wrestling go in this direction. But I think they're far fewer than you think, because in the moment, it feels like everybody is all into this when when it's new and it's happening in the moment. But what you realize is you're extrapolating Twitter and giving it more importance, which is something we all fall victim to all the time. It's number one. And number two, it's something that people are excited about in the moment. And that's always going to be extrapolated. And it's going to seem like it's a, a stronger movement than it, than it really is. Um, You know, so it's uh, no, I don't think it would work. And I think WWE is smart enough to know that. Um, Can they control themselves and not, even overdo it no i i mean that's entirely possible that they they do do more of these in the short term based on the success of the ones that they've done but there's going to be diminishing returns every time now the fiend isn't going anywhere so we're definitely going to see more stuff in this direction when it comes to the fiend and that out of the three was the one that got the strongest positive response um, we're truly rich out on an island when it comes to that one. Oh yeah, for sure. I know that. Well, and, and look, we're never afraid to have to have unpopular opinions, so that doesn't bother me. And I think that the people who listen to the show understand that we were never going to like something like that. And and it's uh, it's not even that. Look, I I don't think you hated it. I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it either. I'm just so neutral on it. It's I just, just didn't think it was that good. <laughs> it was, you know this thing. Oh, and I... so, now listen, it's so overrated. I mean, the, I mean, you know, the whole the whole thing with, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, this whole thing with subtext and <laughs> we have to have, you know, up rocks, uh, writing think pieces on it and breaking down every frame and Sam Roberts talking about break. It doesn't really require that. It wasn't nearly that deep or that interesting. I mean, it wasn't even like there was no subtext. I mean, Bray Wyatt literally 
walked you through the entire video and explained everything that was happening. Where's the subtext? It's like this had the subtlety of a blunt object. They hit you over the head with what all of this meant. So from that perspective, super overrated. Uh, was it well done? Uh, was it uh, interesting that John Cena would agree to a deconstruction of his character in this way? Sure. All of that was interesting. And I thought it was you know well done by wrestling standards. But I could live without it. I didn't need this. I mean, I think they could have had an interesting match and told the same story with true subtext. You know what I mean? If they had a real wrestling match, they could have told this story using actual subtext, and it would have went over a lot of people's heads. But they chose to do it this way. This was probably the right way to go because it was a massive success. Right. So I I can't dispute that. But, you know, um, do I think it's some masterful work of art that, that, you know, was this, this was, was a work of brilliance? I mean, come on. Can we pump the brakes, please? I mean, the guy, you know... It, not only did Bray explain everything step by step, you know, Cena was doing wardrobe changes to fucking – I mean they couldn't make what was happening more obvious throughout the whole thing, you know? And if if Cena hypothetically joining the NWO, uh, I, mean, I mean if you can't tie that to a hypothetical Cena heel turn, I mean that, that's not sub – I mean you're an idiot if you're not picking up on these things. I mean you have to be stupid if you didn't understand what was going on in this video. Yeah, it is. It's it's been pretty. The reaction because like the boneyard reaction in the moment was, oh my god, this is incredible. This is like the best thing I've ever seen in my life, and yada yada yada, and all that sort of stuff. And 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 what sort of the way it's sort of pivoted from that from you know Saturday or whatever isn't necessarily that people think it's bad now. People are just understanding. Okay, yeah, it was fun. It was fun because it was really bad, and it was like really campy, and it was a B movie, and that sort of stuff. And that I'm perfectly fine with that. That that take and that opinion and that thought or whatever. I have no problem with that because that's exactly what I thought the entire time. I thought, okay, this is kind of fun, bad. I'm kind of smirking. I'm kind of laughing a little bit. That's fine to me. That that it is what it is. And if you want to say this is the best use of the Undertaker these days, hell, you might be right. That's fine. If this is what the Undertaker is going to be moving forward, I won't like it, but. Whatever, it's not. It doesn't intellectually like annoy me on any level anymore because knowing that people and I and I, I sent this question out, you know, yesterday on on Twitter as well, just like, hey, tell me why this match was was important. And every single person and every single response is basically, hey, it was funny and it was kind of like campy and it was kind of like a B movie. That's fine. That's cool with me. The Bray stuff, though, <laughs> the the the, uh, the 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 Boneyard match would destroy my suspension of disbelief for any other wrestling company that I pay attention to though. Because yeah, oh, no, it's shit. Me, oh, I mean, it's not good. Like, I'm not saying it's good, but you're telling me that no, it's, no, bullshit, it's fun, it's bad like, or whatever. And that's, that's fine for that company. But yeah, correct. Like, because they're telling us AJ Styles is dead. I, I rich. I can't come back from that. If AEW tells me one of their characters are dead, <laughs> then a, then AEW's done to me. Then I, then I will treat them the same way I treat WWE or Lucha underground in that, I am no longer invested and I may not watch anymore, which is why I made that same point with the Hardy stuff, you know, and they're, they're going to do a Hardy fucking deletion thing in a couple of weeks and we'll see how that goes. I might explode, but yeah, I, yeah, but that's, I completely agree when it comes to Boneyard, it's campy, it's cheesy. The thing is, I don't want my wrestling to be campy. And yeah. Cheesy. I don't, I don't want that either. I'll just go watch campy, cheesy movies instead. I'd rather I, watch know, pro wrestling. It, so. Now, in small doses, if you have undercard characters who are campy, that's one thing. But you can't be killing off characters and stuff. Now, do I believe there's some people who really would enjoy that in their wrestling? Yes, I just think it's a very small universe of people, and I don't think they realize how small they are. You know, Because, again, we had the test case already. 
So yeah, you, yeah. But anyway, go ahead. But then I was going to say the, the the what I've been kind of waiting for on the on the on the Firefly Funhouse is okay. Where when's that going to sort of change? When's the tide on that going to sort of change? And Joe, it hasn't. <laughs> it's just led to a bunch of people saying, "Oh, that that's you know what an incredible." tale of of john cena's career and and peeling back the curtain but giving you know subtext and this and i'm reading this and i'm like what is going on like there's a there was a ringer piece the other day and it, it, it's one of these like we always we, i think we talked about it the day of uh the firefly funhouse and we said we will be right eventually we were right about the deletion shit we, we we're, we're gonna be right eventually because in this i think it was the ringer i don't want to call out the wrong one but I, i'm almost positive it was the ringer um whoever their author was wrote an article about how this is like uh, uh, the way that wrestling needs to go in this, you know, coronavirus era. And instead of having, you know, fake sporting, it should be, you know, embracing its whatever the hellness. I forget exactly what it was. And and what it brought up, it, it brought up past examples of this happening in wrestling. And as I'm reading this, I'm reading it going like, these are all really bad examples for this case that you're making because all these things fucking suck. It was like Kevin Sullivan in the 80s. It was the King of the Road match. It was Papa Shango. It was like all this sort of stuff. And I'm reading, I'm like, this is not like, this isn't telling your tale very well. You know, the the, the Hollywood backlot brawl was mentioned. And all these ones White are, Castle of Fear. Yeah, the White Castle of Fear. And I'm like, these were all unmitigated disasters. Like history laughs that- at oh. these. The King of the Road match is, is yeah. a laughable part in WCW history. Just absolutely ridiculous. The White Castle of Fear was just them lighting money on fucking fire for no reason whatsoever, and and it's it, even at the time it was it was it was considered stupid and, and, and annoying and 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 weird, and then and now in history it's like oh my god, can you believe that these idiots spent this much money on the White Castle of Fear and the Beach Blast and all this sort of stuff? And this article is bringing up these examples of past times when wrestling has embraced you know what it should be, and I'm like, if this is your examples, if this is the case that you're making, then we're going to be just all right, Joe, because all these things were unmitigated disasters. Disasters, fucking failures when they happened, and, and and yeah, people can in the in in the week be like, oh man, that what what oh that's what wrestling needs to be, and that's what it is, and and I think you kind of mentioned a little bit as well, but like you said that the people that aren't wrestling fans are maybe embracing this more, the people that that are searching for something more in their wrestling instead of just wrestling, and I think also it, it does shine a light, and maybe it's to Dodovi's credit that they did this during WrestleMania, that maybe you had a bunch of new people that would have never watched wrestling before, but said, ah, fuck it, I'll watch WrestleMania, yeah, there's nothing else going on, I'll check out WrestleMania, and saw this and said, oh, this is fun, this is cool, this is interesting, and those people sort of led to a little bit more of this, like, uprising of, oh, this is pretty cool, and it's leading to a lot of these think pieces and all that sort of stuff, because those people are not wrestling fans, so so to them, this might be pretty cool. This might be pretty fun. If you didn't know that that John Cena was a a, a train, you know, training in OVW and then came up and then slapped, you know, Kurt Angle and did ruthless aggression or whatever, you might find that kind of interesting. When John Cena came out in his little OVW gear, I was like, all right, here we go. That's a fucking uh, John Cena ruthless aggression thing. Like, all right, you didn't know that Doctor Thugonomics ever existed. You didn't know, like, I could get that maybe you would find this interesting. But yeah, this is like I was just kind of left with the same thought that you had, like. All right, cool. This is like they're basically pointing a giant arrow and telling you this is Doctor of Thumbnomic John Cena. Oh, hey, here's OVW John Cena. Oh, here's like bright color John Cena. It's like okay, cool. Like you know, it's 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 nothing. I mean, it's honestly not much different than what the the Money in the Bank thing was. If you remember with CM Punk basically saying, you know, you call yourself an underdog, you call yourself all this, but you're the New York Yankees, man. You get everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, they already did this story. So, like, for anybody that was watching for a long time, it's not a new, different, or interesting story. Like, they've leaned into that with John Cena for a while. So, I- I'm just left with, like, just kind of stunned amazement that, like, we're still at this point where where people think this is some different, unique, interesting way to tell a wrestling story. It was a video package that, I don't know, I mean, it was kind of goofy and kind of campy, but... I don't know. I like it's it's very bizarre. You know, you're right because they've already deconstructed John Cena already in this same very same company. I hadn't even thought of that. 
But they've done this already. They did it with CM Punk. You're absolutely right. You know, yeah, the, so the story was that you're this company man. You act like you're against everybody, and, and you're a company man or whatever. So then, you're, you know, you're a hypocrite, and, right? Yeah, yeah. and, and, and that's the, that was the whole story. And then you know, and 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 Cena kind of plays up that in that match because you know, Cena yeah. and, and and Vince and and Johnny Ace come down and they want to screw over CM Punk, and John Cena's like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm trying to prove that I'm not a hypocrite here. I'm trying not to be a part of this. So he stops them, and he kind of in that moment has this sort of vulnerability or whatever but hey this is weird because all this happened in a fucking wrestling match and it's an incredible wrestling match more of that please i like this more than some fun you could tell the same story in a pro wrestling match and do it much better in this medium like yeah with real subtext (laughs) you know instead of spoon feeding it to people um you know yeah i i agree and i hadn't even thought of that but um you know in most of the examples that you gave in that ringer article you know, didn't make money and were total bombs from that perspective too. That's the other thing. And it, it's funny because wrestling never goes in this direction. Well, I, I won't say never, but wrestling very rarely goes in this direction of trying very hard not to be wrestling, except when things are going badly. Do you notice that? Right. When wrestling is going well and things are going well, they tend not to do this shit. Uh, think of a lot of the examples. I mean, TNA slash Impact has done this throughout their history when things are going very badly. You know, well, fuck, let's just let Matt Hardy do this and, and see where it goes. The Undead Realm is another good example mm, yeah. um, of, of Impact. You know, and WCW, when they had Cheetah blowing up the boat or they did the White Castle of Fear. This is when they were at, you know, the literal bottom of their business in their history. You know, so it's like, fuck it. We need to try something outside the box. When wrestling gets desperate, they think the way to attract new fans is to not be wrestling. And it never works. The way that wrestling attracts new fans or brings back the fans that they lost is to be good at wrestling. Because that's what people want when they watch wrestling. You know, and you could even extend it to this example. It's like, why is The Undertaker doing Boneyard matches? Because he isn't good anymore. Right, because he can't move his body anymore. It's almost always, in the case of wrestling, it moves in this direction when what they're doing isn't working. When, When doing wrestling isn't working because they're bad at doing wrestling, then they revert to this stuff. You never see wrestling do this stuff when things are going well and and people are buying into what they're selling. You know, and, and that's an important point, too. I say I say not always because, I mean, Memphis always did stuff like this, but Memphis was always a, a completely different animal. And a lot of that Memphis stuff fell flat. Some of it worked, but a lot of it fell flat. You know, for every Memphis gimmick that worked, there was a Tagar Lord of the Volcanoes that is a <laughs> laughingstock. Right. Um, you know, and the crazier it got in Memphis, uh, you know, the less successful it tended to be with some, with some minor exceptions. Uh, and, you know, the... Uh, I, you know, I, the, the, I don't know enough about Florida business to know whether or not Kevin Sullivan being satanic and all that was good for business or bad for business. I'm just not knowledgeable enough on that time and place. But I don't even think that went as far as some of this stuff. That was, I mean, we've had characters in wrestling that were just crazy people, you know? So I'm not even sure I agree with whoever wrote that article for The Ringer. I don't know if I would throw Kevin Sullivan into that. You know, now if you want to talk Dungeon of Doom, I'm very willing to throw that into there. Yeah, absolutely, the master yeah. and they, you know that was a whole the different. Yeti. we have the Yeti. Yeah, he had a literal fucking mummy. I mean, you know, so 
you know, so that's funny too. It's like it's it's wrestling doesn't do this shit unless wrestling feels like its back is against the wall. Right. Yeah. Look through all the years that you mentioned. White Castle Fear and that shit. Nineteen ninety three, a terrible year for the wrestling business. Nineteen ninety five, the Dungeon of Doom, a horrendous year uh, for for pro wrestling business. Two thousand nineteen to whatever years of Impact, <laughs> terrible years for Impact Wrestling. Like, yeah. And nineteen ninety eight, there, you know, there there was a little, you know, bit of that, but at at its core, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin, the pissed off employee, beating the fuck out of his boss. You know, <laughs> it's. Which everyone can relate to, which, you know, you know, isn't over the top and crazy and, or any of that, you know. So and then when the Attitude Era starts losing steam, you know, Ministry of Darkness, it, it seems like it's always kind of like a not I not say a fallback, but these wacky ideas only come when you need to come up with wacky ideas. Right. And and most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time they do not draw money and they do not work. So moving off of Boneyard. And and uh, the Firefly Funhouse deal, this NXT match. Yeah. So Joe, okay, you got your WWE Network su- set up, right? We're gonna do three, two, one. We're gonna go live. Pause to talk about the symbolism as it happens. Uh, so are you oh, ready? God. Oh my god! Could you imagine? <laughs> three, two, one, go! Yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> The you know, drone, least... okay. Johnny and Candace are now driving up in their Hyundai. Uh, whatever. I don't know what the hell the car was. You know, at least with this one, like you said earlier, it's almost universal that this fucking stunk. I don't think there's – I mean, does Ryan Satin even like this? What I don't know. Yeah, this? well, that, that'd be – yeah, that'd be an interesting case to see. Okay, so Candace has handed Johnny something in a package, Joe. What is this going to be? Are you really going no, through it? No, I'm kidding. It? No, God, no. Ne- I'm just in my head remembering it. No, God, no. I would never watch it. I will quit again, the show. So. <laughs> I'm taking half the Patreon money from this month first, but I'm quitting the show. Um. Yeah, I mean, this was horrendous. And and it's weird because I feel like they could have had the exact same match in the building at TakeOver at whatever – what building was this going to be in in Tampa? I don't even know. Wherever the Lightning play, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I forget what the name of that thing is. Um, but, yeah, the, the whatever. The Lightning building. <laughs> we'll go with that. Is that really all they do in that? Because there's no basketball team down there. No, yeah. I don't know. I think that's all they do there, which is a little – Strange. Kind of a waste <laughs> it seems like a waste of an arena, but uh, yeah, you know what? Hey. There's no big college team down there or nothing. It's just there's fucking... no uh, there's no uh, there's no arena football team there anymore. I believe the arena football's gone. No Tampa Bay Storm anymore. I believe yeah, I believe that's it. I believe it's the Lightning. Don't ask how I remember that the uh, Tampa Bay Storm was the Tampa Bay Arena yeah, football. Big, team, uh, so. You you and Lance Archer. Are big I loved I loved arena football, man. Yeah, Archer was he was all in, man. So. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone liked this. And it's like, but I think they could have had the same exact match in front of fans. I could easily see them having the same match in front of fans. So without the fans, they decided to turn this into uh, the worst example of this cinematic stuff that we've seen. I mean, you had the the dopey music in the beginning to kind of set the scene. Triple H sitting in a smoky ring, Mm. sitting in the corner like Raven. What was that about? (laughs) I have no idea. Except he had a chair like Raven. Raven just sat on the, in the corner on the floor, right? He would watch Dance and Stevie Richards act like a fool, and then he'd eventually stand up. But Triple H sitting there like Raven on the chair. Oh, I know. He had the chair because he tossed the chair dramatically into the center of the ring, telling the boys, go ahead and kill each other. That's why he had the chair, right? I figured that out. The subtext, Rich. There you go. Yeah, see? You're learning. You're learning. Subtext. That's good. We I'm, haven't even gotten I'm to that learning. part yet, so congratulations for getting ahead of the game. I that, could so. write for Uproxx now. Um so he throws the chair. He says, this match is going to start when I leave the door. Uh, Drake, uh, Drake Wirtz is here, and you're going to listen to everything he says. And then they proceeded to not listen to anything Drake Wirtz said. 
that was actually, that? honestly the, the thing that was probably annoyed me the most about this match and i will say like as like i it was bad no question it was bad and i hated it but i i think i hated it a little bit less than the firefly funhouse thing because it 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 was bad and i didn't have people tell me that it was good does that make sense Yes. It's like, I can swallow this one easier because it was fucking garbage and everybody knew it was fucking garbage and we can all universally agree that it was fucking garbage. So we don't have to pretend that it was good. And I like oh, that. Oh, and it was 52 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I love So I, I'm, as I'm like, I know that it's, I, uh, I knew it's, I watched it spoiled and I knew it was going to be long and I knew it was going to be bad or whatever. But yeah, 10 minutes in where Drake's like, Johnny, we don't, you don't have to do this, Johnny. Come on, Johnny. I'm like, oh my God, we're 10 minutes in. Like, how long is this going to happen? Because he's not going to just stop telling him to stop doing this. But yeah, Johnny's Gargano hits like a DDT on the floor and he's like, come on, Johnny, he's had enough. And I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Oh dear God. Like we're already doing that and we're barely we're a quarter of the way through this and already have Drake words being like that's enough come on guys stop like, oh, I, I was hoping they had like Kona Reeves versus Vink on standby or something and this thing wouldn't be 54 minutes long <laughs> but um I wouldn't mind you know what Rich at this point I really wouldn't mind a nice little eight minute Kona Reeves Vink match yeah just go out there and wrestle I mean honestly I I could really use that about now but uh so yeah, and you know, and then Tommaso Ciampa's cutting the ring apron off, and 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 Drake Wirtz is telling him, "You don't have to go this far. You've done everything you could do to each other." And I'm thinking they've already cut the ring apron off in another match. <laughs> right. Like these guys are completely empty when it comes to ideas because they've had like four of these matches already, and they're all like a half hour long. This one they got to go an hour. And he's like, I'm like, you know, have they done everything to each other? They've done all of this already. And then they end up on top of the truck, bad uh, quality control with Edge and and Orton being up there four days earlier. And, uh, you know, and then the finish is completely absurd with the fucking ball kicking. And Johnny's wearing the cup, which is what Candace handed him. Oh, my God. Oh, these art, the art of this. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, so brilliant. And then it's like people are going. I can't believe they turned Candace heel. Rich, let me ask you a question. Is helping out your husband turning heel? I don't even like, shouldn't she help out her husband in this scenario and not the other guy? I mean, I don't know if that's actually a heel move, but I don't know. I, guess... I don't know who's what anymore with this. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. I guess people can call that a heel move, but it really, yeah. Again, she just like wants her husband back. And the, the thing that's going to get her husband back is to stop fighting this asshole Champa. So I don't know. I'm, I'm on the train that Champa's always been a heel. <laughs> Johnny's in the right here, so I, I'm Agreed. probably the wrong audience here. But yeah, Daddy's Home has been a heel for the beginning for me, and he's been a vile, horrible human being for years. And But he got hurt, so we're supposed to think he's cool now. And Johnny's like, fuck yeah. this guy. <laughs> and, and we're supposed to think he sucks, so Tommaso, I don't know anymore, man. T- Tommaso Ciampa did nothing noble to turn face other than get hurt and come back. I mean... This is another one of these WWE stories where the heel is in the right and should really be the babyface because Gargano has been wronged by this man every step of the way. And he was rightfully annoyed that the fans had rallied behind this guy. So it's like, how can you not see things Gargano's way? But his wife helps him out. But that wasn't even the most the finish as bad as it was. And it's an all time bad finish. That wasn't even the worst part of the match. The worst part of the match was when Tommaso Ciampa finally did his face turn, heel turn. I don't know what kind of turn, but he's holding hands with Johnny Gargano. And he's saying to Johnny, what did he say to him when he held his hands? 
uh, was he like apologizing and he's saying, uh, uh, we don't have to do this. Like after this epic 50 minute <laughs> battle where they tried to kill each other after Johnny gets kicked in the balls by his wife. Now this guy wants to, yeah, let, let's all one order under the bridge. Let's let bygones be bygones. Let's hold hands and hug it out and be bros again, which is even again, Tommaso Ciampa is so <laughs> annoying throughout all of this story and throughout this whole match. And then, uh, he gets kicked in his balls and, uh, and uh, Gargano wins the match, and presumably they're never going to wrestle again. So, you know what I would like to see happen? I'd like to see Vince McMahon just decide he wants to call them up again and have them come up as a smiling babyface yeah, tag yeah. team. Dude, dude, DIYs. <laughs> yeah, DIYs. High five on back. <laughs> Completely ignoring this story that Triple H has told uh, since 2015, Rich. Do you realize this started in 2015? Yep. 2015. And listen. It's possible to tell a five-year story in pro wrestling. We just saw one of the best stories in the history of pro wrestling play out in New Japan over the course of about five or six years. This is not the way to do it. I mean, they just – at some point, they just lost their way with this fucking thing. And, I mean, if they just would have had one of these overwrought uh, matches, but they had like four or five of them. How many of these have they had? I mean, seriously. Oh my god! Yeah, I'd have to. You know, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's let's go to the old uh, cage match and see. I, I off the top of my head, I want to say four, but I He's think four. it's more than that. Let's see here. Uh, Joe, are you still there? I think we uh, we got our first uh, technical issue what do you here. Mean? I'm right here. Oh, there you are. All right, <laughs> you started talking, then you went away. So people, I didn't... people it... love the dead air. They love it. They okay. love. They love the long pause. Okay, so we had uh, we're, the Cruiserweight Classic. That one doesn't count because that was a good match. Uh, it was 10 minutes and 47 seconds. Weird how that no was one, good. Nobody had turned yet. That no, was a no. uh, baby face battle. That Yeah, that one doesn't count. Right, so, oh my god, yeah, I saw their face turn live, and I'm trying to think of all the things that have happened in my life uh, since the, the Tommaso Ciampa turn. So, uh, unsanctioned in New Orleans, Gargano defeats Ciampa 37 minutes, so you got that. Um Takeover Chicago 2, I did not go to that live, but Tommaso Ciampa defeats Johnny Gargano in 35 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, Takeover 4, uh, Takeover Brooklyn 4, uh, Ciampa defeats Gargano in 33 minutes and now the empty arena. So it was 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, technically 4, yeah, so I was right on the money there with 4 so far. So And almost 3 hours worth of in-ring yeah. between the 4 matches. And the problem is, like we said, all 4 matches were exactly the same. You know, yeah, just, when I saw him pulling up the ring again, I was like, guys, come on, man. <laughs> You've done this. Like, we need – let's – you know, if you're going to do this shit, like, you got to – I hate to say it because I don't want these guys to, like, kill themselves out there. But, like, if you're going to keep doing these sort of dramatic – like, then you have to save this. You can't go, oh, we're going to tear up the ring again. You already did that. We already saw it. We already saw it so much yeah. Champa, DDT, Gargano in the floorboards. We saw that already. Like, you can't do that again and make it, oh, my God, Drake Wirtz is like, oh, come on, you can't do this. You can't do this. Forget forget the individual spots. You can't just have this super emotional, uh, you know, fucking emotion fest four times. You have it once. You know, you have other matches to build to the big emotional climax of the story. They had big emotional climaxes four times. Right. That's the problem here. You can't expect people... And, and and each one of these matches lost more and more people along the way. A lot of people hated the first one. I think we kind of liked it. By the second one, we were kind of starting to check out. But by the third one, more people started to check out. Yeah, and I, I like the. I mean, Johnny Gargano is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So I'm not here to – I'm not – we're not that show that's like 
Johnny Gargano sucks. I mean, you're going to listen to a lot of shows and they're going to tell you Johnny Gargano sucks because they think he sucks or whatever. I don't think Johnny Gargano sucks. I love Johnny Gargano. This shit sucks, though. <laughs> All of this sucks. Yeah, exactly. And now by the fourth one, everybody universally hates it. And and everyone acknowledges that the story just dragged on way too fucking long. And yeah, I mean, one guy got hurt in the middle of it all, but it's still, you know, even outside of that, it dragged on just way too long. And it's just they ran out of ideas. And, um, you know, does anyone really think it's over? That's the other thing. How can it just end here? I mean, doesn't Tommaso Ciampa now get told he can't have another match until he finally convinces William Regal or whoever else to give him another match? I think that's where we're going. I do. How can you end it like this? With him get with him losing in that fashion. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, who cares? But who knows? They won't even follow up. They'll just That's what you know what? Per, yeah. <laughs> who fucking cares is the best way to look. It fucking sucked. <laughs> it was terrible. So uh that's WWE uh cinematic adventure hour. Um some big picture thoughts about WrestleMania now. So I want to start here because this is interesting. Edge defeats Randy Orton. In 37 minutes. Oh, it finally hor- ended. That's cool. It ended. Awesome. It did end. It ended while we uh, were recording <laughs> the show here today. In a horrendous match, um, Edge seems to be a little mad online about this. Oh, he is. Whoa, I mean, he's not he? admitting. He's trying to play the old, I'm not mad, but he's mad. Um, I'm not mad, but here, let me go for an entire <laughs> five minutes right. telling you why I'm not mad. <laughs> now, look, I, I, I feel for him. I do. Because... Um, did you watch the doc? Uh, I have, I've watched a little bit of it and the part I've seen has been pretty good. I want to watch the entire thing, but yeah, I, I've heard it's fantastic. So he's a likable guy and he's easy to root for and all of that. And he comes back from this, uh, you know, double neck, triple neck fusion surgery or whatever the fuck it was. And the thing happens and it totally derails this, this, you know, this, this great program he's got going with Randy Orton because now there's no fans and now WrestleMania is not going to have any fans. So his big return singles match is, you know, already off to a horrible start because now he has to have it with no fans. And no matter what these guys say, no matter how much they go out there and say, we're still putting smiles on people's faces and, and uh, you know, we're still going out there and, 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 and making people uh, not think about their lives for a while. Every single one of them was disappointed that WrestleMania happened in front of no fans. Okay, if you're giving them truth serum. So this poor guy comes back, uh, just horrible luck, has to have this big match in front of no fans. Then he goes out there, and the match is, I mean, I won't want to say universally panned, but most people hated this fucking match. And I feel bad for him because he did go out there and work hard, and they did bust their ass, and the work was good and all of that. We talked about this when we reviewed the match behind the paywall. But it was just too long and too repetitive, and it just didn't work. And whether it would have worked in front of fans or not, who knows? I don't think it would have. I think it would have lost the crowd because it was too long and too boring and too repetitive. But at the end of the day, I feel bad for Edge because this is not how he – this is his big return, and it is a great story, and this is not how he could have envisioned it. And then everybody is shitting on his match. So do I blame him for being a little defensive? I don't. I kind of just feel bad for the guy. Randy Orton, Randy Orton probably doesn't give a shit. Randy Orton cashes his checks and bangs his wife. And, you know, you could tell that he just doesn't take these sort of things to heart the way that other people do. But Edge, I feel bad for him. I really do. And um, 
you know, him saying that Bret Hart called him personally and told him it was a great match because it looked real and all that. I believe that Bret Hart liked the match. I have no doubt in my mind that oh, Bret for Hart. Sure. Yeah. That's a Bret Hart match right there. You know, and and if and if that's enough to, to make Edge happy, but you can tell that he's annoyed that the match got some negative reviews. And and I and I, I'm not dunking on the guy. I, I feel bad for him. I have some sympathy for him with all this. Yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a terrible situation. I mean, the, the problem though is is he called out. He specific when, when you're saying when, he, when he's mad online. If, if for people that didn't see it, he was on Corey Graves' bullshit podcast, whatever the hell the thing is called. I don't really care. Um, but he was he was mad that people were were criticizing the length of the match. And I get why you'd be upset about that. But he's he's trying to say, well, it's during a pandemic. I mean, what else do you people have to do? And it's like, I, okay, I get that. But you can we told- stop saying that, right? <laughs> like. Okay, just because it's a pandemic, it, it's not. You're not immune to criticism if you're putting out bad art. <laughs> right, exactly. If someone puts out a shitty album during the pandemic, we're allowed to say the album is shitty. If you have a shitty, boring wrestling match, I'm allowed to say your wrestling match stinks. If the next episode of my favorite TV show misses the mark, I'm allowed to fucking complain about it. So I'm so sick of using that as like the shield of criticism. Okay, we're all in the same boat here, and the match fucking stunk. But go ahead, Rich. I'm sorry. No, but, yeah, no, that, that's uh, and and like that's the part that gets me is like, yeah, I feel for Edge, I feel bad, and all that sort of stuff. But bro, there's like a difference. I mean, there, between the gap of five minutes and forty five minutes or whatever, there's somewhere in between there that this match could have been. I don't think anybody would have said if this match was eighteen minutes of these guys brawling and then getting in the ring and doing all. This, I don't think anybody's criticizing it. It, it's the oh my god this match has gone on too long coming at the 30 minute mark and then there's another 15 minutes after that that's all it is and that's all anybody's saying so the idea that like oh well it's during a pandemic what else do you have to do you know just sit back and enjoy it and all that sort of stuff. and i'm like no dude like it sucks like you said the art sucks like i'm allowed to say your art sucks even if there's a pandemic going on like i'm still allowed to say that it sucks like if people thought that this episode of voice of the flagship sucks that's fine they're well in the rights to say that we can't say we're giving you three hours of content all right so you shut up like no if it sucked it sucks like like, it's fine. We, we get it. But that's where I kind of maybe lost a little bit of sympathy from him just a little bit because, yeah, his idea that, like, well, what else do you have to do is, is just not working. And that's sort of been the attitude that I think a lot of people have sort of had initially with, with wrestling in general. And, and, and we've talked about it a little bit. We talked about it a few weeks ago. And we, we, I think even last week we touched on it a little bit. But I think WWE and, and, and maybe wrestlers, maybe all these people are kind of getting a wake-up call that, that fans aren't just dying to see anything. In this, you know, they people truly want they they still want good art. They still want to be entertained. They still want stuff that's good. The idea that we'll just sh- just show up and people are going to be there in droves and everyone's going to love everything you do because they're just so desperate for something for new first run content or whatever. Like that's not the way it's gone. The ratings have not reflected that either. The 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 general perception of of these empty arena shows have not shown that either. So I think a lot of the fans and a lot of the companies and a lot of things are getting a wake up call that just just existing during a pandemic is not nearly enough. Like people also still want to be entertained. We're not that desperate yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's still enough for us to do that. Just the the mere existence of your art form isn't enough for us to get excited. So you got to step it up a little bit. You got to do this sort of stuff. And maybe they've learned and and whatever. I do feel bad for Edge. I do feel bad because he wanted all this. But again, there's somewhere that match would have sucked if there was a crowd waiting in the arena for them as well, you know? Yeah, I, I if there was I, if there was eighty thousand people cheering, it would have still fucking stunk. Well, they wouldn't have been cheering by the end. I'm con- I am I am convinced that match would have died with. A crowd. Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100%. none of it wasn't. First of all, ninety nine percent of it wasn't in front of the crowd. Number one, and who knows if they would have played it that way if there. Maybe that's because there wasn't a crowd that they immediately went to the back. But um, 
you know, it's it's it, it was so long and so boring and so repetitive that I think they would have lost the crowd. Did you notice this little bit too? I think they edited the match because he said the final edit was 42 minutes. And what they gave us was 36 minutes and 35 seconds. So there was actually more of oh, this. Oh, God. <laughs> Can you imagine? Unless he was counting like... The, you know, where Orton gives the RKO before the bell and maybe the post-match stuff. You know what? As a wrestler, I bet you he was counting beginning to end. Yeah, he may have gotten a tape or a, a link yeah. that said, hey, here yeah. here it is from the first part of the video to all the way to the end. But, yeah, it doesn't count the bells. Maybe that's counting the entrances and the, the, the after or whatever. So, yeah, maybe that's right. maybe that's true. So. so maybe there wasn't more of it. But, um, yeah, it was dreadful. But I, I do feel very bad for him. I think that uh, – just big picture thoughts. We both enjoyed night one more than we enjoyed night two because I think night one, all of the matches were were snug, hard hitting. A lot of them were kept a little bit shorter and to the point. Uh, night two got off to a good start. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we both thought Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley was the best match of the entire event. Oh, 100%. I yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't changed on that either. I, I still think it is. So it would, it would be either that or the ladder match for me. And I would give the edge to Flair Ripley. Uh, I'd probably go ladder match two. And then maybe Owens Rollins three. Unless I'm forgetting something. Looking over the matches here. Nah, that's probably the order I'd go. Um, I'm not, you know, Boneyard, Bray. Those aren't even matches to me, so I don't even consider them. Uh, Not that I would thought either one of them were better than those three matches anyway. But And then the rest of the two nights, I mean, was a lot of stuff that ranged from um, you know, forgettable, like Otis and Dolph Ziggler. I thought that was terrible um, to just, you know, kind of there and okay. And, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I just slapped the gentleman's three. I think there was a lot of gentleman's three. Uh, night night one, I would call, uh, I'd say it was like a good show. I, I'm, I, I, w- I would be okay with calling night one a good show. I wouldn't go any harder on the praise. Uh, but it was a good little show. Night two, I would be comfortable saying it was a slightly below average show because Edge and Orton was just so bad and so long. The Bray Wyatt thing did nothing for me. And everything else outside – and Flair and Ripley was like very good. Mm-hmm. I went notebook on that, and everything else was kind of just there. So I'd say slightly below average on night two. Um, let's talk Flair Ripley for a second because we both agreed in real time uh, $10 super fans here. If you want to hear three hours of this, of uh WrestleMania breakdown match by match, we both agreed in real time that it was obviously the wrong booking decision, but we weren't going to make a big deal out of it because again, it's WWE. You can drive yourself nuts breaking down the booking minutia of WWE. It's a waste of fucking time. But rich, did you see the follow-up on NXT? Uh, you know, I actually have not watched all of NXT yet. So yeah, let, let me, I, I have not seen it. So what, what okay. happened? Did you hear my Thursday TV review? I have not yet. The fu- okay, good. So you're coming into this completely blind. I'm going to tell you exactly how they followed this up on NXT. And I want you to tell me whether you think I'm telling the truth or lying. Okay. <clears throat> Here's how he did it. So I, okay. So I need to decipher if this is true or false, which is, yeah, saying. you got to tell me whether I'm bullshitting you or not. So you're going to give me a line and then tell me, is that true or is that false? Yeah. All the way through. Okay. All right, cool. Go ahead. So, so a little game here. A little, little game here. All right. Eh, not much of a game, but okay. So Charlotte... <laughs> <Make it a laughs> game. <laughs> I need something, Joe. I need games. I need to play stuff. Like I, I, I bought a basketball hoop just so I could play basketball in my my driveway. I'm dying for a game here. So let's go. So we both agree that Ripley should have beat Charlotte, right? Absolutely. Yes. So, so True. Charlotte, beat her. <laughs> True. 
true. <laughs> ding, ding, so, ding. All right. Charlotte beat. So Charlotte beats her, not only beats her, but beats her clean in the middle. Not only beats her clean in the middle, but submits her. Yes. Like, yeah, right. They don't even have Rhea Ripley, like, pass out to the pain or refuse to tap or the referee stops it, much to Rhea's chagrin. You know, there's ways to get around that without having her tap out, right? But they, they didn't choose to do that. They chose to have Rhea Ripley tap and give up against Charlotte Flair, which to me was mistake number one. They show Charlotte Flair's post-match interview on NXT this week. And she's there with one of the interview robots. I don't remember which one it is. And honestly, as we've discussed, it does not fucking matter. So Kayla Braxton. We'll go with Kayla Braxton. There it sure, is. Sure. Sure. It was Kayla Braxton. It was Dasha fucking. No, Fuente. she's not there anymore. Dasha Fuentes isn't there anymore. She's, uh, she's she? an AEW now. AEW. Oh, she's the one that went to. See, they don't fucking matter. It doesn't really make a difference. Cassie Kelly's making uh, cooking videos or some shit. Um, Jojo Offerman is is having Bray Wyatt's children, and, right. and uh, yeah, Caleb Braxton and uh, Charlie Cruz are still hanging around. So, all right, it was one of those two. So they're interviewing Charlotte Flair, and Charlotte basically just gives Rhea the big blow off. She says, "Ah, Rhea Ripley, she was fine, but let's face it, she's no match for the Queen." Oh God! No, this gets worse. I hope that was false, <laughs> but that was true. No, it's huh? true. Oh. Forget the game because everything I'm telling you is true. So the game's out the window. Oh, damn it. All right. The, the bit didn't work the way I thought it would. So the game <laughs> That's fine. Just go. Yeah, go ahead. So, so Charlotte basically buries her again in the post-match interview, which is okay for a heel to do, I guess. But maybe you want a, Charlotte to show some vulnerability, right? Like, like you want Charlotte to say that Rhea was no match for her, but you can see the cracks and you can see that she's full of shit because she's a heel. No. Full-on confidence. She's not very good. I took care of her like nothing. That's that. Rich, the next shot, you're not going to believe what they did here. I'm going to piss you off because you're a big Ripley fan. She's curled up in a ball on the ground, rocking back and forth like mankind in 1996. Okay? We're off to a bad start. Okay? She's curled up in a ball. False. False. It never happened. She's crying and weeping. Oh, no. As she's curled up in this ball. She's wiping (sighs) tears from her eyes. Right? She gives one line and one line only. As she looks up to the camera and I don't want to blow it. So I'm getting my notes off my notes out. So you got the, your picture in the scene, yes. sweat on the brow, yes. tears, weeping, rocking back and forth. And she looks up at the camera and she can barely get out her words. And she goes, and I quote, she's a lot better than I expected. End quote. Oh, fuck. Cut camera away. Bro. <laughs> God damn it. It's so, so bad. What are you doing? Why? So not only does Charlotte, the heel, think that Rhea Ripley's not good enough or in her class, but Rhea Ripley, Doesn't the baby face, the up-and-coming star who the idea is to get her over, doesn't even think that she's in Charlotte's League. Is that just mind-blowing in its fucking obtuseness why, or not. I mean, why would – what would possess them to do that? Like that – that's all backwards. Like that – Charlotte should be saying that. Charlotte should come out and say, 
I'm still the queen. I'm still the champion. But man, Rhea Ripley took me to the absolute limit or whatever. She'll um, never beat me. I'm too good. Yeah, but, I'm, but I'm still the queen and I'm the champion and I got the gold right now. But credit to her, she brought me to the absolute edge, but she's not good, better than me and she never will be better than me. And Rhea Ripley right. comes out there and goes, don't forget I took you to the limit and the next time we fight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you and I'm going to win that title from you. Instead of being <laughs> curled up in a ball on the floor crying, saying that, that you're not as good as Charlotte Flair, how about we see Rhea tearing up a room? stomping back and right. forth. I should have won that match. Around. I had her. That was mine. You know, I, I, I had it. it, it yeah. That that's the next way to do time. That. It's going to be different. I can't believe this. This was the biggest match of my life. I'm so disappointed in myself. Right. Next time it's going to be coming back better than ever. Yeah. The next time she sees me, she's going to see a new Rhea Ripley. Charlotte a better Rhea Ripley. Fair, yeah. Next time I get you in the ring, I'm going to tear you to pieces. Where's that? No, curled up in a ball, <laughs> rocking back and forth, crying. She's better than I expected. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And that's the baby face, right? That's the baby face. Okay, got it. That's the baby face. That should be Charlotte after Rhea beats her. You know, it's like, ah, God. you know, you can make an argument <laughs> that Charlotte could have won the match, but you could have handled it in a way where everybody wins. Right, like we just said right there. where where where. Yeah, where Rhea maybe is getting real close to the ropes and Charlotte pulls her away from the ropes and she has no choice but to tap out for the better. She can't let her knee, you know, if I stay in this hole too long, the knee's going to be ravaged or whatever. So fuck it, I'll tap out. And then she comes out the next night and says, you know, I, you, you beat me by an inch. If I had gotten the ropes, you wouldn't have beat me or da da da, anything like that. And, and, and you know, you know I, I tapped out for the betterment of my the rest of my career. But yeah, the next time you see me, the next time we fight, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be better than ever and I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to win that title. Why would I ever rally around Rhea Ripley now? She's just <laughs> right. She's a geek. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to act like that never happened and just keep going. So we compound on the horrible finish. Especially her. You know what I mean? Like, uh, not, not, like, if that's Candice LeRae cutting that promo, that's kind of Candice's character. A You're perpetual right. Perpetual you underdog. What? Like, plucky Head underdog. On. Like It almost works if it's her. You're if right. it's a 6'3 fucking brick shit house, Rhea Ripley, this star on the rise that looks like a million bucks or whatever... I don't want her with the tattoos and the fucking leather sitting in a corner crying. Yeah. The fuck? It's horrible. <laughs> you can make it. Yeah, you're almost, you're right. It almost works. It'd still be bad. It's still but it almost terrible. Works but yeah, Candace, it works. You, it, it, like, you know, the Kyrie Sane or whatever, it could work. Bailey, you know, those sort of characters would absolutely work. Knox, you could put a Tegan Knox. Yeah, in yeah, that yeah. Oh, she's, yeah, she's great at crying, so. You know, it, it's like, oh, geez, that's a low blow. My no, God, I'm just she, saying, no, I'm, I'm not being mean. Like, like I think she's good at it. Those tears were real, my friend. I know what she's. I know what she's good at. No, I'm not Man. saying because she, when she got hurt, I'm saying that, but like, it were like even in the, in the storyline with Dakota, where she was like close to breaking down at times or whatever. Because you buy it, like she's kind of this plucky underdog and like emotionally gets. I don't want. I don't want Rhea Ripley feeling any emotions other than Listen, anger. Rich, I'm sorry, but you're canceled. It's too late. <laughs> yes. These shows are live now. I and... like Tiga Docs. No, you mocked the woman Damn. for blowing out her knee twice and and showing real emotion. And I'm sorry, but you're canceled. Ah, that's well, just the way it that's goes. That's the end of that. So it was good. It was as good a, run. We got an hour and it's so in. So that was good. As a man who's been canceled countless times, I can tell you it means absolutely nothing. So you're okay. Okay. Right, um, let's move on to uh, let's see. So Drew McIntyre, another guy I feel terrible for. He's really trying to handle it the right way. Good for him. He's being positive. He's saying everyone will remember it because of the circumstances. But you know this man wanted to be out there in front of 60,000 people holding up that title and having his moment. Oh, so yeah. yeah, of course. Feel bad for him. Um, I've got an interesting angle here for you to, to ponder. Was this sort of a 
uh, no-lose situation for master manipulator Paul Heyman in that he talks Brock into putting over Drew McIntyre strong. And Brock's a guy who will do business, especially if Paul Heyman gets in his ear and tells him it's good business to do. I think we all agree on yeah, that. Yeah, of course. So, so Heyman convinces Brock, we're going to do a re- – because this was a strong job. I mean, McIntyre was put over very strong in this match. I think we'd all agree on that as well. But Heyman can't really lose here, right? Because if McIntyre flops, which I believe he will, and I believe Heyman thinks he will as well, then it's like Heyman can just say, well, you know, bad timing and circumstances. The COVID-19 really cut the legs off of Drew McIntyre. There's only one thing to do, and that's go back to the beast Brock Lesnar. But if Drew McIntyre works out, Paul Heyman's booking this shit, and he's in charge of the brand, and he pushed for it. Right. He could say, you know, I, I told Brock that this would be the best opportunity to get become, you know, for, for Drew to become a star and all that sort of, yeah. And look at this. It's worked out. This guy's a fucking, this is like a no-lose situation for Paul Heyman, right? He's, he's good at what he does. <laughs> is this a Heyman special we just witnessed here? I think so. He's a great, I mean, he's a great wrestling mind, especially when he comes out ahead. I mean, that's, he's the best. Yeah. I think that uh, the the big winner here, no matter what, is Paul Heyman. So, um, you know, raw ratings tumbling, and you know, the thing happens at just the right time for him in that respect too. Because who the fuck cares about ratings right now, right? But that shit was free falling long before the thing. To be fair, to be fair, Heyman's objective was to improve the younger demos and the female demos. Both of those things were showing signs of improving while the total viewership was starting to tumble. But his objective that he was given was we have a young people problem. We have a female viewer problem. We need to fix these things. And he hyper laser focused on those things. And those things were starting to turn around despite the fact that in the bigger picture, the total number, it's almost that kind of thing where when you do spring cleaning in your house, right? You kind of have to make a bigger mess to clean. Right? You ever clean a room and you have to make it a bigger mess before oh, you, you got act- to tear, tear it down to build it back up, for sure. And that's almost kind of what we were seeing, but now with the thing, that's all thrown out. But in this scenario, it's like Paul Heyman can't lose because, I mean, he picked he picked McIntyre, but if McIntyre doesn't work out, you know, he could just blame the thing. And, then, and you know, they just go right back to Brock. And he probably told Brock the same thing. He's like, probably telling Brock, look, man, just be patient. Yeah, you know, don't he, go to your farm, throw up some, yeah. you know, chase some elk or whatever the fuck you do in your free time, and, and we'll call you back. Yeah, you'll, 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 you'll get another job. Chase an elk. So, uh, Braun Strowman, who wasn't even booked for the show, <laughs> comes out of the show as the Universal Champion. None of this matters, obviously. Um, but I think that's interesting. Like, he wasn't even booked for the show. Roman was booked for the show. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think, Rich Krejci, that there's a chance that Vince McMahon thinks that Roman Reigns is a pussy for not coming to WrestleMania? Remember, they made that last-ditch effort to try to get him there. Mm -hmm. Do you think he thinks Roman is some kind of, like, you know, pussy for not showing up for the show? And do you think this is going to, like, change his mindset on Roman? Um, right now it's hard to say, but I would not be surprised if it was true. And I think 
because Vince is a guy we've heard from everybody that's ever worked with him and every that that like when you're in his it's very hard to get in his good graces but when you're in his good graces it takes a lot to not be in his good graces but the second you're not in his good graces anymore you're fucking dead to him I mean Drew McIntyre is yeah. a great example of that Drew McIntyre was like a guy that he saw and said ha they talk about it in the in the, the Drew McIntyre twenty four seven or whatever the hell that thing was where Vince fucking loved this dude we heard about it at the time we knew about it at the time that Vince was like, fell in love with this guy and said this is our next guy this guy's it and, and he wanted like hell for this guy to be the biggest star in his company. And when he didn't do it, when he wasn't able to kind of achieve that level for him, Vince fucking, he was done with him and go throw him off and you're done. And I'm not saying that that's happened with Roman. I don't know quite yet. I have no idea, but given past history, given sort of what we've seen from Vince, I, you bring up a very good point. I would not be surprised if he looked around and said, well, well, God damn it. We had 50 other guys that came here and busted their ass and sacrificed for the greater good. And you didn't, and you would. And, and like, again, we're, I'm not saying that I, I don't agree with Vince McMahon on there. I think a man who, who recently you know, survived leukemia probably shouldn't be there because he's very immunocompromised, all that sort of stuff. So he's Roman Reigns is all in the right to not do this. And, and, and well in his right to say, you know what? This isn't a really good idea, guys. Someone, it, it should never have even come to that. It should never have been a decision for Roman Reigns. It should have been the doctors in WWE should have said, Oh no way. This guy, cannot show up on the show there's no way we can do this so that's what I'm, I'm not taking Vince's side here but you bring up a very interesting point and i cannot wait to see what the follow-up is and really i mean it's gonna be a come a time where, where Rancid might be out of sight out of mind for a while here because when is he gonna be able to come back realistically i mean until yeah. until we're we're back to normal you really can't justify having roman reigns on your show in any way shape or form other than a pre-tape that he does in his own house like he needs to not be around there he needs to be nowhere near anything right now given given what he went through over the last year or whatever so he might be coming out of sight out of mind type guy where vince might just say you know what fuck it we, this this is a guy who we, we've suspended before for for peds we've suspended him for this we i tried to push him like hell i wanted him to be my next guy it never worked he never latched on it never attached there's enough working in his favor where vince might have finally just said you know what fuck it i'm done I, i'm fascinated by that i'm glad you brought that up i had not thought of that before strowman wasn't even on the show he wasn't going to be on the show. Now he's the champ. But I think that's more, they had this deal with Goldberg and it ended here. So they had to get the title off him. Right? Especially with everything going on. You got to convince Goldberg to come back down to the performance oh, center. Oh, yeah, no. He, whoever was in that match was going to beat Goldberg and win the title. So Right. So they had Strowman on, on standby. I guess he was the best option. I mean, you had Big Show, who uh, McIntyre beat moments later. <laughs> This company. Um, I fucking see, love this company so much. They can't. They, they they even when you think that they're gonna change. Oh, they're gonna change, and now they're gonna do the boneyard match for every single match. They've decided the the art form of pro wrestling has changed. They they book a new champion, and the first thing Vince McMahon does is trips over himself to get him to beat the goddamn Big Show. Because Kane, give me Kane. Yeah. Kane's not available. Well, goddamn it, give me the Big Show. <laughs> like, right. I, just, I love it. He just well, will never change. Everybody's waiting for the grand, grand moment where WWE changed the entire art form. But they'll never will. A champion won, and they had the fucking Big Show go out there because he got to beat the monster. <laughs> I yes. love it. I love it. And it wouldn't have been – see, that's my point. This was a trickle-down effect, right? No Roman. So Strowman, I think, would have had that Big Show spot. I think Drew would have been out there cutting his interview. Bro! Absolutely, yeah. So then it would have been Braun, but then Braun had to take Roman's spot. And then, you know, because where the fuck is Big Show been? I mean, he's not even in the picture, right? So I think Big Show took Strowman's spot. It wouldn't make sense not to have Strowman not on the show at all, right? He's been in the mix. 
So that was very like dubious to me or conspicuous, whatever the right word is. That Strowman wasn't even booked. Then all of a sudden, Big Show is showing up to challenge Drew McIntyre. I don't know. I think that was meant to be Strowman. I like it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's very. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird. It's it's all yeah the weird trickle down effect and 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 I just have like no feel for and I, and I guess it's it, it's right that nobody should really have any feel. I mean we have no idea what they're doing. I mean they are still going on. They're still acting like it's kind of business as usual for them. Uh, at some point that's going to have to stop, and we're, we're going to talk about it in Japan as well. Like a lot of companies that have sort of said, hey, we're going to keep going, we're going to keep doing this. Like eventually that's going to have to stop. I think AEW now said that they have you know until x amount of days and then they're done like i'm so fascinated to see if WWE is just going to continue to push on we saw ufc this past week try to do everything that they wanted to do and uh which was incredible by the way like the most ridiculous thing ever i was ready joe this almost turned into a, a ufc podcast if they did island death matches every single week i am all in on that it is so absurd and so ridiculous and anybody that agrees to do that is so ridiculous as well that like i would have i would have let go of any sort of like ah you know what the the the, the, the global medical and the global pandemic i would just been like fuck yeah island death masses let's go like everybody agreed to fly to this random fucking island and fight one another so i'm in uh but even that is no longer so i mean at some point there would be I, I don't know what what is their contingency plan do they have a plan no it's so strange like they're like oh we're gonna tape this weekend for the next two weeks I'm like, what are you doing like you should have been this needs to be way buttoned up already you gotta know what the hell you're doing already guys no like, no no they're taping today as we record this they're taping Friday and they're doing three weeks worth. They're going right up to money in the bank. That's bizarre, man. Like, what are you doing? They might even be doing what are they going to do money. in the? They might just tape money in the bank too. See, here's the thing. They might not see. Here's the thing. They're taping raw SmackDown. And then they're taping NXT separately, I think, was the deal. Let me look right, at my right, right. Well, because NXT is, is still kind of right. going from full sale and all that sort of stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. Hold on, hold on. Here it is. It's um, yeah, okay. So today, Friday, Friday the tenth, depending when people listen to this, they're doing one full week at the PC. They're doing three Raws and three Smackdowns, and then Meltzer reported that NXT is going to be at full sale, um, and they're taping multiple shows at full sale. So they're full steam ahead right now. And here's the thing too: they keep doing two hundred five live too. They keep doing two hundred five live. <laughs> They keep taping. I don't know if they're doing main event. That I can't. Um, I haven't seen. I haven't seen words uh, tweeting out about the A show lately, so I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on with the A show. Now, nah, here's what's interesting. NXT UK. <laughs> this week they did a. Um, the rise uh, of NXT UK. <laughs> yeah. They just did a, a highlight show, right, to buy themselves some time. But they've only got six matches left in the can, which gives them like two. That's like two shows. Right. So. Do you think they're going to try to piece together an NXT UK this week? Some kind of tape for NXT UK. <laughs> and just do like Pete Dunne versus a jobber over and over and over. Right. right. Is he even in Florida? Um, no, I don't, I don't think, think he, he is. is. No, I think he's still in, 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 in the UK, weirdly. So NXT UK for the next six months is going to be Cassius Ono <laughs> versus like Isaiah Swerve Scott just over and over. Um, so, so I don't know what they're going to do about that. Uh, but yeah, so no, they're not stopping and they fly enough under the radar. See, UFC got told, see ESPN and UFC's overlords stepped in their broadcast overlords stepped in and said, look, 
you're not taking us down with you. So we're not going to air your pay-per-view. And then he had to back down and, and, right. and not do the show because it became too big of a news story. You know, even though it's on tribal land, the state of California was annoyed and ESPN and Disney didn't want to go down with that ship. There's no ship for, for Vince to take down with him. I mean, who's going it, yeah, it to – It would have to be the state of Florida, but it would have to be the state of Florida. But given you know what's going on over the last month, I don't think the state of Florida is going to be the one leading that charge. So, yeah, that's probably not happening. Yeah, Florida yeah, is one of the most – you know, they've been like the last to shut down. I don't even think they are shut down. No, they're not. I mean, yeah, they're, they're like partially shut no, down, did, but you can still go did, to church and the and like you can do. There's like a bunch of weird exceptions that it's like ah, it's not quite. Well, they chased AEW out. They chased AEW to Georgia. That's true. But it's like McMahon is just going to thumb his nose until like someone says you're going to jail if you do this. Right, there'd have to be literally armed guards in front of the building to let him not in. Yeah, to, for so to he's going to keep filming footage and and you know, um. It doesn't seem like the wrestlers, if there was some grumbling some weeks ago, but I don't hear any grumbling anymore. It seems like the wrestlers are all on board. They've all been brainwashed by the Dark Order to say we're here to put smiles on people's faces and give people an escape because that's all you hear from these people now. So I think they really nipped that in the bud if there was any grumbling. But a lot of them probably want to get out of the house and go fucking wrestle anyway. Honestly, I can't blame them. I could see why some of these people would be bored and they want to keep going to work. I mean, it's not wise, but a lot of these are like people in their fucking 20s, you know, who they're not thinking in that way, you know, and, and I, I can kind of understand it. I, I don't think you have to drag a lot of them kicking and screaming. So if he's going to keep going, I think his wrestler, his, his employees are going to keep showing up right. or his, his not employees, whatever you want to call them. Independent, independent contractors, contractors, yes, they will independently contract uh, to the performance center every uh, every few weeks until he tells them not to. So, well, Dash Wilder and uh, well, Bald Revival and uh, Revival with hair. It's Dash. What's the other guy's name? Dash, Dash Wilder, Wilder and um, Scott Dawson. Yes, there you go. They are no longer independent contractors no. as we transition to the revival, finally getting their release from WWE. And as many reporters have confirmed now, um, can't name one specifically because they've all pretty much confirmed it, whether it's Ryan Satin or uh, or uh, Sean Ross Sapp as of uh, the time of this show. Uh, they're free and clear right now. They're not one of those 90-day deals. Okay, so now what does that mean? It's not like they can go work anywhere right now. But technically, they are free and clear to do as they please. Here's something that's a little confusing that people don't understand, though. If you get the 90-day non-compete, right, that they give a lot of people when they release them, that doesn't prevent you from working somewhere else or signing another contract. But if you do go work somewhere else or sign another contract, you're just forfeiting that 90 days of pay. Okay, that's, I think, something a lot of people don't understand about the WWE non-compete, the 90-day non-compete. But uh, that doesn't even apply to this situation. It's kind of irrelevant here. Um, this is they are free and clear immediately. And even the verbiage on the tweet that WWE sent out kind of suggested that this was an immediate release. So uh, the Revival finally get what they want. 
yeah and it feels like this feels like for i mean doesn't this feel like the saga when i when did the saga even begin like when did this 15 months jesus they have been asking for their release for 15 months now listen it got a little annoying and tedious at times there's no question about that um but they just wanted to keep stirring the pot give them credit okay we say to all these other people who take the money and then complain that they can what can they do rich eat shit eat shit these two guys complained didn't take the money and in fact turned down the money turned down seven figures each at various points in time stuck to their guns and got their release they were going to wait it out now one of them was going to be under contract a little longer than the other because of the injury clause and whatnot but these motherfuckers give them credit they got some balls they're betting on themselves. If you want to use whatever cliche you want to use, they were going to let those contracts run out. But WWE cuts them loose a little early. Not like it matters with the current, uh, you know. It's funny how they yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask. Do you think this is a? Uh, would this have occurred if uh, we didn't have coronavirus, or would they give them on the ninety day? Well, coronavirus aside, would this have occurred if Mid South Tony wasn't finished taping? That's, That's what I mean. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. There's no way. That's the way you got to look at it. Mid-South Tony wrapped up his taping last week, and they're not doing another round of taping until they figure out what they're going to do for double or nothing. They're all in the can. All their storylines are set. All their matches are in the can. So they didn't cut them until those guys, number one, were finished taping, so they couldn't show up on Dynamite next week, hypothetically. The other thing is uh, Dawson, is that the go- which is the one with the hair? The hair is uh, Wilder. Oh, that's Wilder. That's obviously. Wilder. We're yes. professionals. We do a weekly three-hour podcast <laughs> on pro wrestling. Let me make sure. Um, I think that's true. Yes, yes. Wilder's the hair guy, and, and Dawson's right. the no hair guy. So Revival Hair was on the edge dock and played a pretty big role too. So that could add something to do with it too, where they're like, "All right, let's not get rid of these guys until the edge dock airs." You right. Yeah, I do. I do wonder. And people brought that up too, and I wonder as well if, like, because one of the guys helped Edge get ready and all that sort of stuff. I do wonder if maybe Edge kind of puts a word in and said, "You know what? Let these guys, come on. Let, you know, these guys are good. They helped me out. Let them go, man." You, you know, I, I wonder if that timing, because you have the timing of you wanted the doc to end and air and all that sort of stuff. I also do wonder too if, like, Edge put in a good word and just said, "You know what? These guys helped me. They didn't have to. Like, let's let's let let them go." It's possible. I don't know. I, just... I don't know if he has that sort of cachet with Vince, but maybe. I think it may be a combination of all those things. I mean, you know, you don't want them to be able to go because they would have shown up at that AEW taping. Um, so now that's out the window. You know, at this point, you know, you don't have to worry about them being on Dynamite until when's Double or Nothing? May 3rd. May twenty third. I want to say, but let me let me double check that to to be sure. But uh, yeah, somewhere somewhere yeah, May mid May or whatnot. I was going to talk about that a little bit earlier too because that's uh, not looking like it's going to happen. Well, we can we can fold it in. Yeah, May twenty May twenty third. MGM Grand is shut down, and it's uh, it's not going to be there. But just assuming that you know Big Tone buys himself an island Dana White style or finds another building somewhere to run his pay per view, you know you, the earliest you can potentially see them is then because everything else is taped. Um, although with the way AEW does things creatively, is there a chance that these two guys film something? I was going to say, like, you, you can say whatever, but yeah, they could just do a pre-tape and, and, and throw that right into AEW and saying, hey, we're the revival and we're coming. But that, I don't I don't love that either. I think you might want to just hold them off until this point. Even if it's just a vignette for them to introduce themselves, give their new names, challenge the Bucks, whatever you're going to do with them. I kind of like them like running that. out and beating up the Bucks on Double or Nothing, you, you know? 
But I guess yeah. if there's no fans, I, I this is the weird thing. Like debuting people with no fans is so weird. And like the Brody Lee one, I think they did it okay, but you know, obviously it was disappointed him that he wasn't in front of you know his hometown crowd. Or he wasn't in front of Rochester, New York, or whatever. Matt Hardy, eh, whatever. Like I, I think that probably would have been better with fans or whatnot. But like the idea that I have of the revival is like how cool would it be they just come through the crowd and beat up the Bucks or whatever, and they're here and they've arrived. That's not gonna work. <laughs> it's gonna be like, oh, that's these guys. You know, it's just gonna be so weird and so clunky. So maybe at that point, you should just do a pre-tape and say, "Hi, we're the revival, or we're whatever the fuck we're gonna be. Here's our new name, and we're here, and we're coming for the bucks, or whatever." You know, maybe just drop the pretense, drop all the bullshit. Everybody kind of knows what the deal is with them. Just go ahead and do it. That's maybe. what I just said. No, I'm saying, said I'm, in my head, I'm saying you might be right. I maybe you're right. So, um, did you watch Being the Elite this week? I did not watch Being the Elite this week. No. Listen, I'm starved for content, okay? Um, <laughs> too busy watching Big Japan. So. You should probably watch the new Being the Elite. They've been doing this storyline where uh, Nick O. Jackson, not Matto, but Nick O. Jackson, you know, he suffered the head injury when yes. he closed the – Okay. So he's rehabbing from the injury. And what the Bucks have done is they've built a wrestling ring on like a tennis court of the development they live in or whatever the fuck, right? And they've been – doing like these training segments on being the elite where Matt and Nick get in there and arm drag each other and shit like that. Right. And then Nick is always like, I don't think I'm ready yet. I just, I'm 80%. Like the running gag is the percentage keeps going up. Uh You know, he's like, he's 69% one week. Then he's 80%. Oh, they, I'm sorry. They don't work blue. So he's like 62% one week. Then he's like 80%. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't, you, they don't work blue. It's true. They don't. No, no, they're pretty good at it. Actually. Christian men, they respect the God. So uh, they're they're big time into the Jesus, Rich. So they don't work blue. But the point here is they've got the wrestling ring on the tennis court there. And um, this week on Being the Elite, they wrestled a match against two local competitors. And I've never heard of either of these men. And they went out there and basically had a four-star fucking match on Being the Elite. I mean, it was it's the fucking Bucks. They could have a four-star match with me and you. Um, but the point here is... Then they shot an angle with the two local jobbers who were disappointed. Now now they're going to wrestle SCU next week. So they're like doing matches on being the elite now. Got it. Yeah, okay. On this wrestling ring outside of the Bucks' house, okay? My point here, could you, could you sneak the revival in that way? Can they get out to California and maybe get involved on being the elite somehow? You got the ring. You're doing these matches. I'm not saying you give away the match. That'd be incredibly stupid. But – do Dash and Dawson sneak attack the Bucks, or could you see something in that direction? Yeah, it, it's all just so weird because I don't know. Yeah, where I have no idea where they live. I think they're like North Carolina. Carolina yeah, the Carolina. Carolina They'd yeah. have to drive out there. Yeah, it's a long drive. <laughs> but I guess you got I mean, nothing you else to do. You don't, listen, you get a cheap flight nowadays. You could, yeah. Flights yeah. are flights are pretty affordable. As long as you don't want to stay anywhere or do anything, you can get to another town pretty easily. So. Yeah, I've considered driving like eleven hour. Who the fuck cares? What are you gonna do? You know, who cares? I just stare isolated. You're in a car. You're yeah. not bothering. <laughs> right. I, no. I thought it, like one time when Michelle was off, you know, next weekend, and I'm like, I would just fucking drive to like Montana or some shit if you want. Like, you I know, like what are we gonna do? Beyond, We're not doing anything anyway. <laughs> I don't think that's beyond the pale. I think you're allowed to drive around. What's yeah, the problem? Right, with that? right. You're not you're not endangering anyone driving around. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of different ways they can go. Uh, what about the idea that we're all just assuming they're going to pop up in AEW? Don't you think it would be kind of cool if they did one NWA taping? 
Yeah, that to... that's one that I like a lot because people brought up like the New Japan, and I don't really want to see them in New Japan whatsoever. I don't I feel like they're a fit. No, nah, that kind of stinks. I know people fit. just like immediately want everybody in New Japan, everybody that's good in New Japan, but like I don't like I don't I don't like it I, for whatever reason. It's weird. It's clunky. I don't think New Japan needs them. Obviously, okay, right listen. now it's not a great time to debut in New Japan because I don't think New Japan's going to run for quite a while as well. So, well, yeah, this is all working under the assumption that these companies are eventually going to run. Right, again. right, right. But, it, but let's say that you know April thirtieth, everything's good. The, the sun shines again. We're all back to going to normal or whatever. I don't like the revival of New Japan even in that case. I, I I don't know. Like to me, that does nothing for me. Do you okay? If if the, if the revival showed up and challenged Rapongi 3K for the titles. They are the champs, right? I forget. It's been so long. They are. They want to make wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, would I be annoyed at a little three-match series between those two teams trading the titles? No. I'm not going to tell you I don't want to see that. But do they feel like a fit to me? They don't. So, I agree with you. Like, it, it's kind of everyone's first instinct whenever there's a wrestler available. Oh, they should go to New Japan. Remember people said Dolph Ziggler? Yeah. Should go to New Japan? <laughs> And I'm like, I might work, but it doesn't feel like a fit. Like Dolph Ziggler is going to get in there with Hiroki Goto. I don't know. I just don't feel like that's. But um, I think before they, you know, sign something and lock themselves into AEW, have a little fun. Do an NWA taping where they would fit in like a fucking glove and get themselves over further before they go to AEW. Right, and that, and that that actually plays up a little bit of my scenario too, where like if, if they just don't do anything and everybody knows they're going to AEW and then they come out through the crowd and they beat up the box, it's like, all right, whatever. But if they start showing up in a few different random places, they do your, your one random ROH taping, your uh, your NWA tapings, little stuff like that, and you start to think, oh, maybe they aren't going to AEW. I kept thinking they were going to AEW, but they're not. And maybe there's little hints in the Being the Elite where they talk about it. And then all out of nowhere, boom, they just come out. Of, they're, they're from the crowd. Or they come out and, and do that sort of stuff. I think that would be a really cool way to play it. And it, it, it'd be, like you said, a way for them to have a little fun, feel like they can spread their wings a little bit for a month. But we all know deep down that they're going to go to AEW eventually. It just, yeah, maybe go along the way, maybe do some other stops or, or, or do a few other things to, to have a little bit of fun before it happens. Don't you think, though, those two dudes would love to go down to the NWA, work a two-day taping, do three matches, win the titles, defend the titles, lose the titles. They hold them for like nine weeks because it takes like nine weeks to air all the <laughs> right, right, shit. Right. right? So it's like a it's a two-day, it's two days of work for a nine-week run in the company. And would don't you think they would love to say that they're former NWA world heavyweight tag team champions, those two guys? And wouldn't it just add to their aura? coming into AEW. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm not so sure I don't call Dave Lagana. Yeah. And right. say what's well, I mean, I listen, think that I think the story works better if they pop up somewhere else to kind of take you off the scent a little bit of like, oh, yes, geez. that too. Absolutely. You know, it, it it like it knocks you off the scent and it is adds to their aura and you could even have them cut promos on the Bucks in the NWA. We're the best tag team in the world, you know, and then start you don't and name and when you're running off the NWA teams, throw the Bucks in there. We're here to prove we're the best tag team in the world, and we don't care if it's the Rock and Roll Express. We don't care if it's the Young Bucks. We don't care if it. You just throw it in there. Right. We're doing a lot of booking here. We today, are. This is this is the, <laughs> the booking show. Know, but hey, if all these assholes aren't going to do it, then we're going to have to. So. Okay, so I I mean that sounds like a great and and that just works to AEW's advantage anyway. It kind of builds them up to the right kind of fans. It gets them going. They could say they're former tag team, NWA World Tag Team Champions. You know, those guys probably would pop for that. It works for the NWA because, you know, they were losing some momentum before all this happened. Forget it now. They haven't aired TV in four weeks. So it's like that'd be a great, you know, uh, 
lightning bolt for them. And by the way, I, we were right on the money. They started just airing old Houston stuff, which we said was going to happen. So, you know, got to start listening yeah. to us a little bit. We're, you know what we're talking about here. If you're enjoying the old Houston stuff, I would say you're welcome is all I would have to say to that. Uh, you know, so uh, we got it done, Rich. We mentioned it and we talked it into existence. How about that? But uh, but yeah, I would like to see them do you know, a little run here. That'd be the perfect spot, though, mm-hmm. honestly. It'd be a better spot for them than than uh, than Ring of Honor, I think. Um, although they, there's people they could, I mean, they could have a match with the Briscoes in Ring of Honor. Yeah, there's some cool stuff um, in that in, in ROH as well. But you know, ultimately, I mean, they've been shooting this angle with the Bucks for 15 months now. So, but uh, but you know, we'll see what happens with those guys. And um, well, I guess eventually we'll see what happens with those guys once we're allowed to have some matches somewhere again. Um, what else? We got anything else? WWE? Did we cover it all? I think we got it all. I think uh, we do need to talk a little bit about the XFL before we move fully into uh, oh, the XFL. Japan that was about- so. So the announcement came a little bit before we started recording. So actually, uh, pretty good stuff. Pretty good timing for us. Uh, ESPN reporter Field Yates uh, said the XFL has laid off all of its employees and all operations have been suspended. Us uh, from uh, F4 uh, 401mania.com, by the way. I'm, I'm reading their, uh, their report here. Uh, this comes after the XFL prematurely ended its inaugural season last month due to the COVID pandemic. Uh, some of its players signed with the NFL. Another report from the call suggests that the words thrown around were, quote, shut down. The XFL will pay all of their employees through Sunday. There's no word on when or if it will resume operations. Okay, but they're keeping a skeleton crew of the top-level executives. Yeah. And Vince McMahon has already earmarked enough money to last multiple years until it's time for a new television contract to be negotiated. So a lot of people are taking this as the XFL is folding today, but there's no reason for them to fold. They can bring these people back when the world gets back to normal – this doesn't strike me as anything other than what a lot of companies are doing right now. If they were folding up shop, they'd announce it as such, and they would have cut the top executives as well and sent them along their way. They haven't done that. And the money's already essentially spent. He already invested, when I say he, Vince, already earmarked the money and, have, and has invested it and is already conceding that he's uh, going to lose this money for X amount of years. And I think it's three total years. Right. Right. Or was it, two, it was either two years or three years. I thought it was the, three. I thought three was the, was, was the time, but yeah, we can. Yeah. So it, it's like, what would be the point? You know, you wait it out. And if they're able to get going again next, you know, after next year's Super Bowl, you bring everybody back in raw season two, they let the players go weeks ago. They told the players you're free to sign with NFL teams, you know, so they're not, you know, that, that was already done. So I think people are kind of reading into this more than they should be. Yeah, I think the one thing, I, the, as far as what the, the read that I have, and, and, and you know, SportsCenter had a tweet out here that I think maybe made people kind of go in the direction that they're going, is it says, you know, breaking the XFL suspended operations Friday morning and laid off nearly all of its staff. Uh, the league currently has no plans to return in 2021. The way I read that, and, and maybe you read it differently, maybe other people read it, the, the, the league having no plans to return in 2021 doesn't mean the league doesn't want to return in 2021, but they literally have no plan to do so, which is different than we're closing up shop and it's all over. Well, if I'm Vince, I do close up shop because to me, this is his way out. Yeah. Oh, no, he should. He needs to be out of this. This thing is done. Go away. It's over. There's no point in running this thing again. And, and with the damage that all of this is doing to his primary business, and when I say all of this, I'm talking about the thing, 
you know, you can, you don't, that money that you've earmarked to lose for the XFL, you can, you know, reinvest that into WWE and close up Alpha Entertainment and all that. This is his out. This is a great opportunity for him to escape out the back door. Right, to not lose so, money for three years. Like, cause he, and, and like we said, the, the idea was, hey, we're going to eat shit for three years, and then hopefully someone's going to say, you know what, fuck it, here's uh, $500 million, give us games for ESPN or whatever. That's That was the right. goal. The goal was eat shit for three years, and then hopefully someone has a big old sack of money to give you for live sports. I, you know, who knows what's going to happen now? There's a great opportunity for Vince to just say, you know what, fuck it, we're done. Good, right. great. Or someone to say, hey, uh, his accountant to say, Vince... Now's a great time to just cut bait and, and and take those two years of losses and put them back in your pocket and invest them in in, in in something else. So if he's smart, he'll just cut bait altogether. But it, so who's who'd you, who'd you say saying that they're not running? Uh, Sports Center says the Sports Center tweet says there's no current plans to run in 2021. So ESPN is basically saying that they're shutting down. Yes, the, and and they're or saying not, that the word the was wording. the word was shut down was used, but nobody. There's a difference between suspending operations and folding. When they say the XFL is folded, that's done. All the executives are gone. All the money's done. Right. The end. That's the end of the XFL. We haven't. That's not what they're saying yet. But maybe it's let's let's all sit down. Let's think about it. Let's see if it's even worth it. And then in a week they're going to fold. I think this is a perfect escape hatch for for Vince. I mean, this is just handed to him on a silver platter to get out of to wiggle out of this thing. Um. But yeah. This verbiage I'm not real comfortable with right now because if they were just shutting it down point blank, that would be the story. That's not what we're that there's what they're saying here. Yeah. Um, and it sounds to me, and you're reading it, and I'm not, but it sounds to me like ESPN is saying that they are hearing from the inside that people are saying it's shutting down, but that's not what they've announced. Right. The XFL maybe officially didn't announce that, but like, yeah, the one said, the person said that the word in the meeting was shut down, but that's not like the press release isn't saying shut down. Right. So the they're press done. Release is suspending operations or whatever. They're finished then. Yeah. They're not coming back from this. There's no way. Nor should they, no. nor should it have ever started to begin with. I mean, let's be honest. This wasn't going to work. They were going to, the rating, look, this was going to do this the shit ratings it was doing by week f- what they get to week five this year, and it didn't completely fall off the table, but it wasn't doing great numbers. You know, two years on, you know, this wasn't going to be they weren't going to get a big time TV contract for this. So, this is a good this worked out for Vince. I'm sure that's the way he sees it. So, um, sure sounds like uh, why? But why would you even? fuck around and delay why not yeah i don't know kill it dead right now is he just that stubborn i don't know if he, it, it, yeah maybe he's stubborn or maybe there's some weird contract thing like god only knows what i mean this guy he's such a weirdo that who the fuck knows man you know what i mean like who fucking knows what what, what his plan is or what his idea is here but i mean there's enough smart ish people in that room to lead me believe that like this can't just be a Vince McMahon crazy idea, but he's the money man, so it's like, all right, if he wants to, you know, suspend operations but not fold, then okay, we'll do it. But you know, we can't afford any of these employees, or we can't afford anybody anymore. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, there's no coming back from this. I mean, it took so long to build the infrastructure of this, and they just basically destroy that infrastructure in, in a day. So it's like, there's no way you're not coming back. You're not rehiring all these people. You're not getting everybody, you know, salaried up again. It's just, it's going to be impossible to try to get this. Back. Well, if it- if you're shutting down for 2021, then you're done because you're not going to shut down. You're not going to run half a season 
and then cancel a season and a half and then come back in 2022. Because any kind of momentum you had or anything else is gone. And who knows what – and this has nothing to do with the virus. But who knows what the the TV landscape of the world or the sporting world is even going to look like in 2022 at this point. Then you factor in everything going on with the thing. So if they're going to shut down 2021, there it must just be some kind of legal reason why they're not saying they're shutting That's down. Not, there's the got to be some weird contract or some weird agreement that they made with somebody. It, it's probably the same thing with the WrestleMania thing where Vince doesn't want he want Vince wants somebody else to fucking probably lay down because he's not going to lay down. Who knows what it is? He, ESPN or something has some contract in there where they're still paying him for who the hell knows? Who the fuck knows of Vince McMahon? But yeah, this works for him from two perspectives. Number one. He can get out of this and save two more years worth of losses and reallocate that money, close down Alpha Entertainment, all of that shit. Number two, he can blame the thing for why it failed. Right. And he doesn't have to – yeah, I mean because it was clear it wasn't going to work but or becoming clear that it wasn't going to work beyond the three years. But now he gives us – he has a scapegoat. Yeah. Well, we did everything we wanted to do and we had some momentum, but god damn it, the coronavirus. And, so. and maybe that makes him feel good. Maybe he can now go to his grave – with that itch now scratched, if he can convince himself that this is why it didn't work out. Right. So, cause this was all just him trying to scratch an itch from the failure the first time. So maybe he's satisfied with blaming the thing and we never have to uh, deal with the XFL again. I didn't listen. I didn't hate the XFL. No, it's fine. I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I can't sit here and tell you it was appointment viewing. I didn't like make sure I was home on Saturdays and Sundays to watch the XFL. I'm flipping channels on a Saturday and I got nothing going on. Maybe I'd leave it on for a quarter. But um, look, it's like we said from the beginning, the most impact it was going to have is whatever ideas the NFL stole from it. So we'll see what the NFL does moving forward. They actually incorporated a few of the XFL ideas into the Pro Bowl and dipped their toes in there. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people remember because that's the day Kobe died. And nobody bothered watching the Pro Bowl or paying attention to it. But they did a couple of the XFL ideas in the Pro Bowl or dabbled with them. Um, and we'll see, you know, because they stole ideas from the XFL the first time. And everyone's pointing to the kickoff. You know, the kickoff idea that XFL came up with, which limits the the concussions and whatnot, but keeps the kickoff as part of the game. Yeah. So, you know, um, I don't know how I feel about that one. You know, I, I could go either way on it. It seems a little too unconventional for me, but I prefer it to eliminating the kickoff. I don't like the idea of eliminating the kickoff from the game because I think special teams are a part of the game and 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 you know I, I, I don't like the idea of try of increasingly eliminating them. So if that's the last ditch effort to keep kickoffs around, I would prefer that they use the XFL's idea. Just to just to say you still have the kickoffs. But um you know, some of the other ideas we'll see. I don't think the NFL is ever going to go to three and, uh, you know, three point conversions. No, or no, no. That. Nor it's... do I think they're going to have you listen into the uh, the rules coordinator talking about the rules as it's going on. Like, no, I think that... that one, I like that one. I like it too, I... but I don't think the NFL is ever going to be. You down don't think with they're going to pull back their window? Nah, not that much. They yeah. might mic up the players a little bit to give you generic sound bites. They might mic up the coaches and give you generic sound bites. They kind of do that now already. Maybe they'd, they'd open that up a little bit more, but they're, the way they're going to have the main guy that's calling the rules thing with so much money on the line and so much, they're, I don't think they're going to pull the curtain back that much. Well, did you see what the one rules guy blew it bad? Did you see that? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. They took a knee on fourth down, 
the, the team leading took a knee on fourth down in a one-score game. Since it was a change of possession, the clock should have stopped, and the other team should have got the ball back with wh- whatever it was. I think it was two or three seconds left when the guy took a knee. But the referees kept the, the clock moving. That should have been changed by the review guy, and he didn't change it. And he said, well, since the game ended, technically I can't change it now. And the XFL fired that guy. They reass- Well, they didn't fire him. They quote-unquote reassigned him to another position, which basically means they fired him. And and so that is a perfect scenario of what you're talking about. The X, the, the NFL, I don't think they want to open that curtain for no, everybody. No, especially with uh, <clears throat> millions of dollars on the line on any given day. Uh, yeah, right. I don't I don't think that they're gonna do that. The, the NFL always tiptoes around the uh, you know they they you know they oh we're you know they they don't want to say out and out that we don't do this because of gambling or we do do this because of gambling, but a lot of the decisions that are made in in the NFL are because of gambling. Oh my God, Rich! The NCAA for basketball. I don't know if you saw this. They changed the rule last year where any buzzer beater at the end of a of a, the end of a game, even if it's inconsequential, even if it's a twenty point game, all buzzer beaters are subject to official review. Right? Which is why so else would you do that? Yeah. If Iona hits a game, you know, throws a a, a, a prayer in and they make it, and they're losing by twenty five to fucking whoever. It's you know the referees sometimes go yeah I have three points who cares but no 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 let's make sure that those three points actually matter yeah there's uh, a clear reason for that so and on the press release it said in the interest of accurate statistics of course yes yes, yes. from now on we'll be reviewing all end of game heaves when you know damn well it's the fucking totals right, yeah. and it's the point spreads the it's NFL the having point. their their uh, injury report thing that they had a few years ago where teams were getting fined if you didn't give an accurate injury report with X amount of time before the game. You know, yeah. just for yeah. the people at home. <laughs> you know, just, right. You know. Yes, just in the interest of the viewer. Right. We need to know. Ah, the is the guard... Patriots running back going to play in this game? No, he's not. Okay, it's good. Questionable. <laughs> I think they got – no, they got rid of probable, right? which which is the one they yeah, got Yeah, well, because whoever it was, because, yeah, whatever one was still there, the Patriots just put every one of their players on the probable list. Yeah, Belichick, which I appreciated. Yeah. I appreciated that fifty-three dudes were probable every game. That's that's pretty nice. Yeah, because it used to be probable, questionable, doubtful, and out. And then they changed it. They got rid of one of them because yeah, Belichick primarily, but other coaches were just bullshitting on that thing. No, what Belichick was doing, he got mad because the league kept staying on his ass about it. So then he put like his whole roster on it every week. Right. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, every week everybody was on the probable list. Right. So, you, so you, couldn't, our, you couldn't actually know who was probable because he put that in there to tell he him. put the whole team. Bill, we're not doing this because we give a shit. We're doing it because you're the gamblers. <laughs> so, like, you know. Right. So from his perspective, it was like, hey, look, no one's 100% healthy, so everybody's probable. Right. Yeah. Because he got annoyed because they felt he was – because other coaches thought he was fucking with. Yeah. So it always comes down to gambling. But uh, eh, fuck the XFL. Who cares? Yeah. That's all right. I won't, I won't miss flakes. it too much. Yeah. Goes in the in the pit with every other fucking failed <laughs> secondary football league. So there'll be um, a book on it in a few years. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think it actually it somehow <laughs> in a weird way. I think it had less games than the AAF. Remember, like AAF, I think ended up getting thirty games or so in, and I think the XFL is only like twenty games or whatever, which is just awesome because it XFL... felt like. 
that's a week five. I yeah, don't remember I, I don't know exactly. I think it was like twenty two, and I think AAF got to thirty three or thirty five games overall, which in is total games, which is just yeah. hilarious because like you know the AAF they're like oh well well, well the AAF I mean the the, the XFL is way more set up to, to not do this, and and we even said it too that like no they're gonna eat shit for three years or whatever, and it ends up that they actually played less than the the AAF. So uh, we told you this was gonna be a miserable failure, coronavirus or not, but hey, it is so. Uh, listen, a victory lap's a victory lap. I don't care if it was caused by the thing. We win, man. Well, I don't know why people didn't, like, people don't, we know our sports, man. Secondary sports leagues don't work. They never have and they never will. No, like, never we have work. established these leagues and these leagues will be it forever. Another league will never pop up and ever challenge these other leagues. Not in our lifetimes. Not in our life. Listen, we saw UFC. That's a new league, right? True. So it, 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 what you're saying is it's going to take a new sport, right? There's not there's some some bozo is not going to decide. Hey, you know what? I'm going to get a baseball league, and we're gonna we're gonna right. be, we're gonna revive the federal league, and we're gonna beat MLB. Like, no, it's not going to happen. I would, I would like to see that with the federal league rules. <laughs> right. That's yes. what I like to see. the The pitching mound is 55 feet from the batter, and the pitcher must throw underhand, right. and the batter can request a high ball or a low ball. That's what I would like to see. And a walk is eight balls. And uh, all batted balls are in fair territory. Like, I want to see old school baseball Catch it on the bounce. We'll catch it on the bounce, too. Catch it on the bounce and you're out. Yeah. You know, well, you got to balance things. If all batted balls are legal, you got to be able to catch it on one bounce, right? You got to balance it somehow. No gloves. You got to work barehanded. There's no night games. And uh, (laughs) one ball for the entire game. So it doesn't matter if the fucking thing. It's like when you played wiffle ball when you were a kid and it got all cracked. Yeah, just fucking over. Yeah, you're just done. Everybody it's, goes home. It's the only ball you had, though, so you had to keep playing until the thing got split completely in half. One ball for the whole game. Because you, you read those old game stories, and sometimes it would be, uh, the Plymouth Steamrollers defeated the Boston Bean Eaters 4-3 to three when the ball went into the stands and could not be retrieved. You know, And it would end like after seven innings because they couldn't get the ball back from some kid who caught it in the stands and then ran home with it. That's the kind of shit I want to see. Yeah, that's the, that's the best. Yeah, the, 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 like the the other famous thing too, the uh, the Merkel's boner or whatever, where uh, you know he he threw the ball into the crowd and then they had to kind of try to retrieve the ball or whatever, and like yeah, somebody's found it. Ball. And they're like, yeah. it's, it's so ridiculous. I love old baseball so much. Yeah, I love. You see the old image too, where like you know a home run was just it hit into the mass of the crowd, and the mass of the crowd could either like go forward to try to have the ball fall into their mass so they'd kind of because there'd be like a rope kind of like a little bit of a rope there but the yeah. fans could all like decide hey if my guy's hitting it towards the outfield let's all kind of move up a little bit and see if we can get this thing to be a home run like i like that idea i like the idea of like ah, eh, the rope's actually out here right? oh, the rope's back here <laughs> like, it's... there were many fields where the fans were in play right, in the right. because first of all the ball hardly ever got hit that far but then on a rare occasion, you'd hit a gapper. Oh, when Home Run Baker was hitting his 12 dingers in a year, then, yeah, those things started flying out there. So Yeah, you really get in the one, and, you know, that's what would happen. So, yeah, Merkel's boner. I could talk about Merkel's boner all night long. Yeah, it's a very famous boner. Arguably the most famous boner, would you say? Probably the most famous boner. I mean, who would his competition be? Merkel. I mean, you got John Holmes' boner, maybe uh, uh, who else has any famous boners? different kind of boner of course but um you know wasn't that the deal he was he he was the who batter this is. who is this oh john holmes famous porn star i don't know anything about john holmes yeah. yeah yeah uh maybe i'll use a more contemporary one maybe you're more familiar with a uh, tt boy or a uh 
Maybe not a, actually. No, not flirting with TT boy. How about you? Uh, used somebody the other day. You used somebody the other day for the uh, the Champa thing. Who who was that guy that you were you were referencing? Because I oh. I looked him up on like <laughs> online and I was like, oh, all right. Like, oh, Lance Hart. Yes, yeah, Lance Hart. I thought it was like okay. some long lost Hart brother, and then I found out it is not indeed a long lost Hart brother. It is no Lance Lance Hart does fetish porn, but the but the the most famous fetish porn he does is women kick him in the balls. Mm, okay. So this is like that 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 NXT match had a Lance Hart finish because Candice kicked both of them in the balls. See, I got it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So now you get the reference because I, I tried to like search through his Instagram to see what the hell you were talking about, and then I decided, ah, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm good. So. Yeah, yeah, Lance Hart. Yeah, he does ball kicking fetish porn among other fetish porn, but you know he does the ball like whenever you see. If you're perusing the porn and you click on a ball kicking video, it's most likely going to be Lance Hart. <laughs> Believe it or not, I have not. So that's uh... yeah. I'm just letting you know. You know, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. my particular fetish either. But you know, you're perusing, you see these things. Now, was this John you Holmes know? guy like a? He was a big deal because he's like kind of weird looking. I don't know. John Holmes. Yeah, yeah I don't want would... to watch this guy fuck anybody. <laughs> no, no, he was like a seventy, the most famous seventies porn star along with Lynn okay. Lovelace. Okay, because he had the giant fucking schlong. The movie Boogie Nights is loosely based. Got it. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, loosely based. Okay, then you got uh, you know okay Peter North. Does that one work for you? I've heard you? of Peter North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of Peter North. He's got the uh, his special skill, his superpower, is he allegedly supposedly has uh, the monster loads. Rich, that's Peter North's interesting. Thing. Okay, that's big load. Uh, then you got. Oh, anyway, okay. I mean, could, well, how how big? It's just like I don't know. Whatever, it's fine. You really want to get into this? No, I'm just saying, like, anybody could have a big, but it's his, like, that big. Like, it's not even, like... I'm just saying what he's famous for. Okay, got it, got it, got it. You can pull up his footage, and you can be the judge. (laughs) You can be the judge of the big load or not. Yes, I will. Of the big load. Then there's uh, there's Ron Jeremy. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's one you know. He's probably the most famous. He might be the most famous boner, actually. Ron Jeremy might be the most famous boner. Even more famous than Because he passes, like, the mom. Everybody knows Ron Jeremy. I think everyone. I think he passes the mom test, Ron. For Jeremy. sure. Yeah, I don't know if Peter I'm North ask my does. Mom right now, <laughs> Ron Jeremy. Hold on. We did this last week for uh, for Gronk. Remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let me text my mom. Let's see if she okay. knows. Yeah, she knows Ron Jeremy for sure. Oh, she's gonna. I a hundred percent. Like Ron Jeremy and then like Jenna Jameson are probably your more famous like porn stars ever, right? I would say Ron Jeremy, Jenna Jameson, um, John Holmes. I'm telling you, you're underselling. Him, okay, yeah. maybe I am. Yeah. I think you got to be of a certain age though, because he kind of fa- he died of AIDS, I think, in like the early '80s. Okay. So unless you're like a, either a porn aficionado or like over or under forty, you might not know who John Holmes is. But yeah, I would leave him out. So it'd be Ron Jeremy, Jenna Jameson. Who else has crossed over into mainstream? You got. Yeah, uh, think who else? Those would be the two. Linda Lovelace only because the. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking of Linda Lovelace. Throat, you know, Ron Jeremy. Do you know Ron Jeremy? She's definitely going to know Ron Jeremy. Yeah, for I'm sure. asking John Holmes too. <laughs> How about John Holmes? I would say the the days of like a famous porn star might be kind of because now it's like you know you, you got everybody. You, you don't have to get a tape from one person. There's no big draws. There's no huge draws. I think anymore. So, um, you know what I mean? Like, I, there no, might be well, some. Now, There's your, like, your Mia Khalifas and those. You yeah, know, they... I was just going to say, and what well, like uh, uh, James Dean. Uh, you know, is, yeah. yeah, the girls enjoy him. He does the. Uh, I don't know anything about the dudes. Clearly, I'm not too. Like... I'm just saying. Listen. Yeah, yeah. I'm, no, I'm just saying. No, I'm saying. I'm just saying. My me personally, I don't. Uh, I don't know if I know the dudes. Uh, James Dean. I, I can. Uh, let me tell you this, right? I assure you, you've watched him fuck. Okay. 
let's just because he's all I'm telling you, you've watched this man fuck. And if if you saw a picture of him, you'd be like, oh, I know him. I know that guy. I'm telling you. All right. So I sent this off to my mother. So we'll see what she has to say about Ron Jeremy and John Holmes. I mean, she's definitely going to know him. Um, but yeah, they're still I would yeah, they're still famous porn stars. Like, but on like this level, I don't think anyone's going to cross over too much. Well, maybe I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, just meant to proliferate. I mean, there's so it's all available. It's all for you there. So now it's like you know might be tougher to be you know really emerge as a star in the industry. But you know, we'll see. Bailey J. I mean, there's famous ones. You know, I'm just saying, Rich. They're I, okay, famous. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Their names are popping into my head. You know. Um, you know, I, I could name some more. But so, I think you're uncomfortable. Something in the chat room is absolutely correct. That we, we we have said for years that we were not a horny show, but God, we've been horny the last few weeks, man. Like, although I don't think this is horny. We're just we're having a very intellectual discussion here. This is not a horny conversation. We're at not all. saying like, oh yeah, she's hot as hell, or oh yeah, yeah I do. We're I, just like, you know, the other week we were talking about the stepdaughter you know? stuff. Like, we weren't saying, oh, I get real off on the stepdaughter stuff. We were just like, oh, this is what happens in those. So I I would I would I would argue that maybe we aren't horny. I'm not horny. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not having a famous like, boner right now either. So <laughs> like, I don't feel like this is a horny conversation at all. Like I'm not, I don't feel like uh, I'm just naming porn stars. This is more like, th- to me, this is no different than when the end of the third hour, we start naming like white NBA centers. Like, <laughs> right, it's, right. it's the same thing to me. Yeah, when like, we I don't... the Tom Borwinkle portion of our, our, our podcast. No, this is just, yeah, this is just let's remember some porn stars instead of let's remember some guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm naming no, like what dropping Zantabak here. We're just you know we're, we're naming Jenna Jameson yeah. instead. I don't think it's any different to say like Jenna Jameson was a huge proponent of getting saliva involved in your in your routine. That's no different than saying Rick Smiths was a great shot blocker. Like I'm just naming the porn stars and what they're what they were known for. John Holmes had a giant dick. Um, you know, uh, Peter North. We explained what he was good at. It's just the same thing. It's no different. Uh, you know, so I don't feel like there's a horny segment. So I still contend that this is not a horny show. Good. All right. There we are. Um, I think we're done with whatever we were talking about. You want to, want to get into Japan? Let's do it. Yeah. We got some Japan topics here. We got to start. This is a big Japan podcast. Now I think this is too big to bounce. We can't bounce for an entire hour. We're not bouncing. Yeah. Bounce is a half hour, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. We have it's an entire hour. Of I vote no like, bounce. Okay. I vote. Cause this is beyond a bounce. This is a. This is a, a not a bounce, a a, a, a jog. A, a, I don't know what it is, but it's a it's a marathon through Japan. We can't we can't be bouncing for this. No, no, I I completely agree. Okay, this right, is good. not a bounce situation. Um, I'm just looking up some of these porn stars now. <laughs> Has the mom gotten back to you yet? No, no, I'm waiting. That's fine. She's going to. She will for sure. Um. What about Alexis Texas? You got to know her. Rich. I don't know anything about Alexis Texas, but I might. Oh. I know. Well, let, me, let me see. Let me see. If I know She's a blonde is. with an enormous thumper. Um. Oh no, maybe then. Yeah. Let's yeah. See. Alexis Texas. Let's see. She's known for the dumper. Um, the dumper. Um. She doesn't ring a bell, but yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm sure. I again, I guarantee you've watched her have sex. Probably. Yeah. That's a. That's a Can't nice, avoid her. That's a nice. It's a nice thumper there, so that's good. All good over the tube sites, Rich, and I know you're not paying for your porn. <laughs> God, no. Are you kidding? Who would pay for porn? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you're problematic if you don't. You know that. You've been, I, well, whatever. It's fine. the second time you've been canceled. I, I, the the ad revenue. They make money off the ad revenue. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm listen. Not my dad. I don't have to pay for porn. Come on. Your dad pays for porn? Uh, no, not no, no. He did. I think you know. He had, I remember. Oh, like, I remember opening the sock drawer and being like, "Whoa, hold on a minute. <laughs> like, what are these? You know? What is this video cassette? Right? I forget what it was. It was yeah. It was pretty crude because I, I discovered it pretty late. Like I had already well aware of like internet porn at that time, and I think he just had it in there still and forgot that he had it. Right. I remember looking at it. and I'm like, "This is bad. <laughs> like, man, this." Was... I'm glad we didn't have to live through this. Like, this is just not good, man. It's grainy. It's weird. The tracking's off. I'm like, this is bad, man. Yeah. No. Yeah. Some of those. Uh, yeah. But did he throw out the cases to try to throw you off the scent? No, no. It was like in the case. It was all there. Oh, yeah. it's in the case. You get the awful photography. On the <laughs> yeah, it was really back. bad. It was like a mustachioed man with the, you know, curly hair and chest hair everywhere yeah. and stuff. I'm like, oh, all right. Like, yeah, it was probably real vanilla stuff. Too, oh right? yeah, it was just generic yeah. as fuck. Yeah, it's like ah, you know what? It's just like literally people having sex. And I'm like, did you really need this? Like, was this really like helping right. in any way? Like, yeah, you know, people who weren't even very attractive. <laughs> right, right. And they're just having like very generic. They're like kissing, and then they're just having sex. Uh, like, yeah. I'm like, get out of here. Where's the story? Where's the you know? You're watching average-looking people have coitus. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. And the, the guys like wearing tube socks. You're like, how do you watch this? Right. I can't fap to this. Who can fap to that? You know, you gotta you gotta spice it up a little. I'm not saying you have to go deep fetish, okay? But you, but, you know, you don't have to go. Listen, you don't have to do Lance Hart ball kicking, but you gotta spice it up a little, you know. But uh, this is a Big Japan podcast. Yes, now. we are. We are officially a Big Japan podcast. So we have to talk about because we've been talking about and following along with the strong climb, Rich Big Japan has finally, mercifully, thrown in the towel on their tour, which they had not given up on. They were still doing regular shows with paying fans. (laughs) Probably longer than anyone at this point. Touring Japan. They were up in Hokkaido. Yeah, it's not like they were in one. They were not in Sambo Hall, like Dragon Gate or whatever. They were running their same building. They were in Osaka. They're in... uh, they're all over the place. They're, they're everywhere, man. It was it was unbelievable. It's just that's why I said it was so weird that you could go and like turn on. They're in fucking Cork and Hall. They're bouncing all over the place. I love that they were like old reliable. Like everything else going on in the world, you could still just stumble upon Big Japan having a Cork and Hall show in front of fans. Like they were doing the full tour. They were up in Sapporo. They were right. you know. Uh, so the strong climb. I know. I think they were in Hokkaido a few days ago. <laughs> Like, yeah, I that's a pastoral, right? That's just, like, yeah, yeah. I just love them getting in the bus and just going off. Like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> so finally, after the second outbreak in Tokyo, and then um, you know the country uh, got a little stricter, and now what's happening in Japan is the venues are shutting down. So now it's now impossible for these companies to run, even if they want to snub their nose at the thing, because now you don't even have venues to run. So big Japan and a couple of their shows towards the end of the tour they weren't even announcing attendance and they were taking all very close like tightly uh tight crowd uh, tight tight shots of the ring and whatnot to hide it but uh reports were that there were like you know in some cases less than 20 fans at some of these shows so it was getting ugly they finally thrown in the towel but our strong climb semifinals are set uh, for all of the remaining matches that had not taken place, they were all declared draws with the participants getting one point each for the matches that never happened. In the A block, there was only one match that uh, had not taken place, and that was uh, the youngster Hayodo versus uh, Daishi Hashimoto. So that was declared a draw. 
But the thing about that, Rich, is that with Daishi Hashimoto being credit for that one point, he ends up winning the block because three other men in the block had four points and he finishes with five. So uh, Daishi Hashimoto advances out of the A block, which was probably the intended result. He was probably going to win that match. Right, a little clunky to get there, but he was probably going to win it anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, he was going to win that match against the young wrestler, and he was probably going to finish with six points and finish ahead of, uh, I think it was uh, Inaba, uh, no, I'm sorry, Inamura uh, from Noah, uh, Kawakami, and T-Hawk. Those are the three guys that finished with four. So Daishi Hashimoto comes out of the A block. In the B block, there were a couple of matches that didn't take place, uh, but they ended up, uh, you know, once again, let me see. I don't know if they influenced things because Daisuke Sekimoto won the block with six points. No, he would have won the block anyway. So the draws were completely inconsequential in that block. So uh, Daisuke Sekimoto advances with six and he edges out uh, Kohei Sato, who came in second place in the block with five. So uh, Sekimoto wins the B block. The C block was an absolute mess. There were three matches that hadn't taken place. It was a two-way tie at the top with Yuji Hino and Quiet Storm. Uh-oh. <laughs> but Quiet Storm beat Yuji Hino head-to-head. Uh-oh. Quiet Storm Uh-oh. advances out of the C block. No shit, really? Yeah. Hell yeah, there we go. Nice. Good so Quiet Storm wins the block because he, he won the tiebreaker <laughs> with Yuji Hino and Okabayashi, who probably would have won the block. Right. But he didn't wrestle Hino or Kamatani, so those were draws, and he yeah, comes up. They really should not have had him lose to Hama then. <laughs> that would have not been that. Maybe they should have adjusted that a little bit. Well, Kobayashi? Yeah. Yeah, Hama beat Okabayashi. Right, right, right. So, because would yeah, that have helped? Tough. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, probably. Hey, he would have won a block. Yeah. He would have finished with six. Jeez, you know, you fuck around, Big Japan, <laughs> you know? So, Quiet Storm comes out of the C block. And, they should have uh, just done. We had a tour in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> just, you know, actually, these matches all occurred in Rio de Janeiro, and this is what happened. So, but that's what I would have done. But you know, yeah, Big so, Japan is a respectable and, company. They're not going <laughs> to lie about that. Yeah, my my feeling though is probably that. Um, well, let's talk about the D block first. So the D block, it came down to uh, uh, the match with uh, uh, Lee, uh, All Japan. Um, uh, the geek, the tall geek. Yeah, Jake Lee, Jake Lee. Jake Lee. Jake Lee and Nakanoe had uh, had a match which Jake Lee needed to win to advance because with the draws factored in, he was one point behind Kakuta. Mm-hmm. And you know they didn't want to put Kakuta through. Okay? <laughs> so he, Kakuta had five. Jake Lee had four. But Jake Lee still had one match on the table with Nakanoe. He beats him. That gives him six. And Jake Lee wins the block. At that point, they waved off the rest of the shows – so I think what happened here, Rich, was they wanted to make sure that they got the two finalists through their blocks because it's going to be Jake Lee versus Quiet Storm and it's going to be Daishi Hashimoto versus Sekimoto. So I don't think they care that Quiet Storm won the block, even if he wasn't supposed to. Right, it's not like he won their biggest title and he's now their champion or whatever. It's it's like, you know, you could, you could adjust. It's not that big of a deal. Well, I think the idea all along was for Jake Lee to go to the final. Right. So even though quiet storm probably wasn't intended to win the block, it's not that big a deal because he's just going to lose to Jake Lee in the semifinals mm-hmm. anyway. Right. So, and they have pushed the rest of the tournament to June. So, um, presumably we'll see a conclusion to this at some point, as far as the other semifinal with Daisuke Sakamoto against Daishi Hashimoto. I think Hashimoto is going to go through because what sense does it make 
you know, Jake Lee might end up winning the whole thing because then you set up a Jake Lee title challenge of Hashimoto, right? But you also have to remember this is Big Japan, and it's the worst booked company. <laughs> yeah, they'll find some way to fuck that up. So, so maybe Sekimoto wins, and then he beats Jake Lee in the final, and then Sekimoto, after beating Hashimoto and then winning the whole thing, becomes the next champ. I don't know. It's but, hard to predict Big Japan. Yeah, they just do stuff sometimes. So, I just feel like Quiet Storm. I feel like they got the three key guys they wanted to get through, like to the next round, and they were just, they're just going to live with Quiet Storm because I feel like no matter what, the C Block winner was probably going to lose to Lee anyway in the semifinal. I mean, again, it's Big Japan, and that's hard to predict. But that's kind of the feeling I get off of that. But at any rate, I have seen every strong climb match that has hit tape. I don't know if you have. I know there were a couple. I've that seen you had most. Yeah, I think I've seen most. There may be like one or two that I haven't seen. But yeah, for the most part, I've just been hitting play on the Big Japan tapes. And if it's a death match, I skip. And if it's not, I'm I'm watching it. So yeah, I've seen most of them. I don't think I've seen a hundred percent all of them yet, though. But 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 most that have made tape, I have seen. Of the stuff that I've seen and remember, not all of the matches even make tape. I think T-Hawk has been the most impressive guy. He's that been I've great. Seen. Yeah, he's been fantastic. I thought he had a notebook match against Kawakami on the – I think that was the opening night, uh, and he lost that match. And then I really enjoyed T-Hawk's match against Daishi Hashimoto. Yeah, I three, 321 that, is that show, and that one's pretty uh, pretty easy to find if you uh, if you want to. So that, that one is uh, – yeah, that, that was fantastic. And, and we're not a pro <laughs> Daishi uh, Hashimoto site or show at all, but, yeah, I thought he was – I thought he was – he was lessened a little bit. Like there was some bullshit that he, there was still kind of your Daishi Hashimoto stuff that kind of makes your eye roll. Uh, but I thought he was pretty good in the match and T-Hawk was just fucking fantastic in the match too. So it, it really did help it a lot. T-Hawk has been so good in this tournament. I mean, uh, with the, with the matches I've seen that I thought he helped both of the opponents that I saw him wrestle against rise to a different level. So believe it or not, this is the second Daishi Hashimoto notebook match I have this year. Can I still call him bad? Yeah, it's well. That's what's weird about him is sometimes it's good, and then sometimes it's when it's bad, it's really, really, really bad. It's really bad, and that yeah. makes it tough. Yeah, because some, it, sometimes it's like, does this guy know how to wrestle? Has he ever wrestled before? Which is so. That's what. That's I think what infuriates me more. If he was just like generically whatever, if he was just kind of blah all the time, we wouldn't talk about him. We wouldn't be upset. We wouldn't be frustrated. Just be like, yeah, that's mode. He's blah. The problem is you see him do stuff that's good, and you're like, oh, this guy's good. And then you see him the next time, and you're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, have you forgot how to wrestle? In like a week, how did you forget how to wrestle? And that's what's so frustrating about him. And that's why we, I think we talk about him and, and, and give him so much shit, because it's like, dude, you could be great, and you are sometimes great, but then you're really bad sometimes. Like, the, 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 he just he fluctuates so heavily, and it's so weird. The thing is, the two matches that have hit my notebook were against Yuji Okabayashi and T-Hawk. Which, so, that could be another thing, too. We're talking about, you know, two tremendous workers there. So maybe he rises to the occasion against those guys, and, and, and maybe during the other guys. Or yeah. is it really him rising to the occasion? Right, right. That's, I, I guess... mean, you're talking about two guys that are among the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, I'm not afraid to put T-Hawk on that level at this point. No, no, he's there, for sure. Just the snap that he works with. and Remember that Triple H clip from Tough Enough? Good snap. Good snap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Their bumps. I like to work <laughs> in a good snap now and then because of that. That's like a famous clip, you know. But uh, T Hawk, Here, here's how you snap. do it. He slaps the mat on the way down. Boom! Yeah, see how that sounds. <laughs> I love it. Let me tell you something, though. In that clip, he took much better bumps than those kids. Like it was, that was good snap. No, it was pretty funny when he's like, "All right, all right," because he, he's listening to them. You can see he's like leaning over. This is like he's got the long hair still, and he's got the no beard yeah. or whatever. And he's listening, and he's he's hearing him. He goes, "Okay, hold on, hold on." Here, here's he's how you take a, a bump. He's he's wearing a shirt nine sizes too small. 
small. <laughs> right. Oh, you know, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. That's a boys. Right. He's wearing a boys medium. So, you know, that's a, but, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, you, I love that clip too. Cause you're always like, all right, here's this asshole. And then he just attacks the mat. And you're like, oh yeah. All right. All right. You just hear it. He's like, bam, 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 bam. And you're like, oh, that is how you bump. Okay. That is good snap. Yeah. You're yeah. like, all right. Wrestling. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And then like Chris Nowitzki takes a bump and you know, he's putting him over saying he has good snap. Was that his season? Might've been. Um, I think it was season one, right? The good snaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season one, yeah. Chris Nowitzki, Josh Matthews, Nidia. Uh, who else was on that shit? Um, Maven? Maven? That Maven? Yeah, team? Master of the Dropkick. Maven was on that that first season. Uh, so. Man, I just named half the cast. That's pretty that's good. Yeah, bad. I'm trying to think who else was on that cast. She was like 20 years old, right? Right. That's pretty good. Um, you remember Taz on the back of the pickup truck yeah. barking at him when yeah, they were yeah. jogging up the mountain? Yeah. So who, but, who'd uh, you name here? Who, who'd you name here? You got Nowitzki. You got Nowitzki, yep. Nidia. Nidia, yep. Josh Matthews. Yep. Maven. Yep. Um, I, was that... There was, was another that, guy like Taylor. He was like the runner-up or something like that, but I don't remember. like Josh Matthews. Yeah, I, I don't remember if there was like any discernible part. difference between Taylor and Josh. Yeah, one was tall, one was short was the yeah. difference. Yeah, right, but right. They both looked the same. They both had that year 2000 bowl cut yeah the, <laughs> the bowl cut with the frosted tips in there so yeah like the caesar wasn't it called the caesar uh i think uh, the caesar's a little different the caesar was like the the clooney um ah uh, yes cut. you're right i think this one's a little different yeah and they both had like the the, the necklace with the beads <laughs> the puka shell the puka shell necklace yeah with the shells yeah yeah i like the beads too <laughs> like the hardy boy thing you know um who else was on that was Martin i don't remember you... that season oh what was that was Martin Caucus or whatever his name is on that seat? The guy from the Underground? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, the rest, of the, the rest of these guys I'm looking at it right now, the rest of these guys have, like, no Wikipedia pages or anything. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think any of these guys ever exist. Remember one of the Stone Cold seasons he nicknamed a guy Shitstain? Or was it? <laughs> that was, oh, oh, Skidmark, right? Skidmark, Skidmark yeah. was the guy's name. He looked like Big Cass, I think. And he yeah. nicknamed him Skidmark. I'm like, geez, that's cold. I think his name was, yeah, Ryan was that guy's name. I forget what happened. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan Skidmark. Yeah, what a horrible nickname to have on TV. <laughs> Imagine being on TV and, and you're Stone Skidmark. Cold yeah, is calling you Skidmark. You can never like you cannot get laid now. Like the whole point of being on TV is to get laid. Like now you cannot get laid because your name is Skidmark. Who wants to? Nobody wants to fuck a guy called Skidmark. You know, especially when someone like Stone Cold is calling you Skidmark. But. uh Yeah, the Marty the Moth. He was in. He was in one of the Stone Cold seasons. I think he might have been even in the last. Uh... Of the off. revival season. Yeah, the, second to last, the second to last. Little off. Little off. It was a little <laughs> off on that one. A couple of years. Only 20 years off on that one. Um, oh, wasn't what's her name on season one? Um, uh, the, the the one that married Charlie Haas. Oh, uh, Jackie Gata? Yeah. Uh, no, I thought she was on the. Maybe season two? I think she was season two. Yeah, I think. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, wow. so yeah, Kenny King, uh, Jackie Gata, Linda Miles, Matt Morgan. That was season two. So good, Jackie. Okay, season two. All right. Wait, the first guy was K I N G King. King. How dare you say it any other way? That man has been on our TV screen since two thousand four. What a, what an incredible. Yeah. What a run that guy's. So Daishi Hashimoto, who other uh, people refer to as Skidmark at times, um, look, he, you get him in there with a great wrestler, and he could have a very good match. Um, the problem with him is he's 
well, we've talked about the problems with him. Do we really want to do that again? He's just not very good. But it just goes to show that you don't have to be a great wrestler to have a great match all the time. You know, you can be uh, – because I still – you know, he can have these matches with T-Hawk and Okabayashi. But, I, you know, fundamentally I watch him and I still don't think he's a good wrestler. Does that make sense? Right, yeah, yeah. He just he just seems like he kind of gets into a good match every so often, but doesn't feel like he's a good wrestler. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's hard to describe, but yeah, and there's a lot of wrestlers like that. I mean, you know, it's it's, but I mean, it's like you watch him wrestle, and you don't, you know, you're not watching a good wrestler. I mean, he doesn't just. He, what does he do particularly well? Can you come up with something? That Daishi Hashimoto does particularly great at screaming, uh, but <laughs> that, yeah, it, you're right. It, it's no, I, I don't. Yeah, he's not a very good kicker. He's not a very good striker. He's not very athletic. He doesn't fly very well. He doesn't look very good. Uh, yeah, not quite sure. Yeah, not sure. He has no presence. He has no charisma. He doesn't have particularly impressive offense. He doesn't sell. You don't look at him and think, ah, oh, he, he he's great at sell. He's not a good bump and sell guy. Uh, he has a terrible looking body. He has a terrible look. Um, I mean, you can't point to anything that he does at a level better than his peers. So, um, you know, he's he's a guy where if he gets in there with a great wrestler, I always hate using the word carry, but he could be carried to a great match. But at any rate, he's who you have to deal with. You know, the one downside of all this Big Japan stuff hitting tape is that he's the champion right now. Right, so it's a lot That's of Daishi Hashimoto. You're watching a lot of him for a long time. And we're going to be talking Big Japan next week because that, that show from February just emerged where he takes on Nomura, Takuya Nomura. So I'm going to watch that show. It looks like a very interesting show. There's a Lindemann singles match on that show. I don't have the card in front of me. Actually, let me pull it up now because this is a Big Japan podcast now. Yeah, we got to know our shit. We got to start knowing our shit, so. Hold on. I think it's the 224 show, if I'm not mistaken, from Osaka. Let me see if I'm right on that. Um, yeah, so it's Daishi Hashimoto against Takuya Nomura. Uh, Yuya Aoki defending the junior title against Lindemann. That's good-looking shit. Um, there's a six-man tag, but it's a garbage, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, it's Abdullah Kobayashi. I'm not sitting through that. No, no, yeah. Um Barbed wire board death match, no shot. Um, a tag matig match with Leatherface. Leatherface? <laughs> they find Corporal Kirshner? What's going on there? Um, there's a UWA World Trios match. Billy Ken Kid, Masamune, and, Sub- yeah. and Subasa. Let's go. Hey! Billy Kent Kid and Subasa. I should put the old picture up. Yeah, that's us, man. I love. I love. Yeah, I, cool. I, I man, I'd love to do. And I, I mentioned this a, like a few years ago. I was going to try to do this, and it's it's very hard to like kind of track these down and do it. I still may, might do it, but I I'm a sucker for like a weird title in a weird company, yeah. like the UWA Trios Championship being defended in Big Japan. I like. I love that shit, man. I love when like a random you know ter- Texas territory title is trapped in Japan and will never leave because the Japanese company like uses it and enjoys yeah. it and loves it like that. I love that shit, man. It's so great to kind of research and, and dig into that stuff. So I'll be all over that match. I mean, Billy Ken kid and Subasa. people remember we used to put that pick up every yeah, time we right. podcast. So that's us. And, uh, they're taking on, uh, Akiyori Takazawa, Naoki Tanazaki and Ryota Nakatsu. So, a little Naoki that sounds like Tanazaki. pretty fun. I like that. Haven't yeah. seen him in a while. Little you know? dolphin, the, little uh, dolphin man. <laughs> yeah, Naoki Tanazaki dolphin there. So um, I will definitely watch that match. 
And then there's some undercards. Koji Kanemoto's on this show. What? <laughs> He's in the opening tag. I guess when you're running out of guys, you might as well get the guy that nobody else wants. <laughs> Bring in Kanemoto. So, hey, that sounds good. But Kazu- with, uh, Kazuki Hashimoto on the opposite side. So that's probably decent. I'll check out Kanemoto. Then there's a six-man tag. Then the trios title match. Tag match with Yuji Okabayashi and Yuki Ishikawa versus Leatherface and Reijin Yaguchi. <laughs> I got to see what's up with this leather face. That can't be Corporal Kirshner, right? I'm guessing it's not. Yeah, that would be a tough get these days. So It'd be great if it was, though. <laughs> Imagine Corporal Kirshner getting that phone call in the middle of the thing and agreeing to fly to Japan. Well, actually, this was February. Well, didn't they, Japan had the thing in February, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have. Uh... So imagine him getting that call. And they're like, listen, Corporal Kirshner. We want you to do the Leatherface thing again, but you got to fly to Japan and sit in quarantine for 14 days. And then we're going to drive you to Osaka. Not the big building. Osaka <laughs> number two. Right. Okay? To wrestle an eight-minute mid-card tag match in front of 500 people. Quote, unquote, 500 people. That'd be I, I got to check that out. That sounds so, incredible, yeah. I, I, uh, then there's some deathmatch Garbo. And he, then the he, uh, was he the one that like they, the WWE announced was dead and then he had to say, no, no, I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Yes. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Did they do yes. like they did like a dot com thing or whatever? They're like Corporal Krishner, or like you know whatever his real name was, who uh, appeared in World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> Corporal Krishner has passed on. He had to be like, whoa, no, 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 I'm not dead. <laughs> like that's got to be weird to read, you know? Yeah. Like imagine yeah. Joe Lanza from the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast has passed on. <laughs> like, do you know how many people would be like, good, right? Yeah, ah, serves him right for not liking Hideki Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. I, I think about that. I'm glad, his, I'm glad his wife is widowed because he didn't like the wrestling I liked. Right, exactly. That right. would definitely happen. Yeah. Like, I've thought about that. Every oh, time I kids go, don't have a father, but I'm glad because he doesn't like the Boneyard match as much as I do. So. Yeah. Every time I go grocery shop and I think about that, as I walk past someone and hold my breath in the grocery store. You got to get a mask, about, man. You got you a mask yet or what? Don't tell no me. Mask. No <sighs> mask. The nurse is pissed at you, man. Get, the, get a fucking mask, dude. So I just hold my breath. Get a bandana. So, they look cool. So I, every time I walk past someone in the grocery store, I think if I get the thing and I die, the worst part about it isn't necessarily being dead. It's that people will be happy I'm dead, you know? And then people who I know who know nothing of this world of me are going to be like, why are people happy Joe's dead? Right. Uh, Daichi you know? Mo's, uh, Daichi's Mohawk, you know, with his fucking yeah. Japanese lettering. And he's a 16-year-old that lives in, you know, Oklahoma. He's going to fucking love that you die. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Yuji Hino's Grundle is going to be posting that he's glad I'm dead, and people are going to be like, "Why? Why? Joe's a nice guy." So, um, yeah. So that's uh, yeah. We're going to be doing that big Japan. We'll do that big Japan show next week. At least the good the stuff that we're going <laughs> to. We're now at the level where we're previewing. <laughs> we're previewing. Big we're we're Japan getting. Shows we're teasing you that we're going to talk about shitty big Japan shows next I'm week. A, Come I'm back a, next <laughs> week for our big Japan. <laughs> Listen, what a, we're going to do the Big Japan next week. We're going to do the NOAA Global Tag League. We put that off, right? Yeah, so right, right, right. 2AW, 2AW, baby. And the 2AW show. We're going FKA to do Kaintai Dojo here on the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Let's go. We're going to do those three topics for sure next week. Here's the thing, Rich. One of those might be the lead. I am ready, I'm ready for a world where we start with 2AW. Where you go, Rich, I've been watching the old Kaintai Dojo. And I can I'm excited I mean, for it. I'm ready for it. Where else are we going to go with it? You're, I mean, you're right. yeah. unless a big story breaks, one of those is going to be the lead next week. 
That sound you hear are people unsubscribing. <laughs> I was going to say that, that, that that sound was $100 in Patreon money being uh... <laughs> <laughs> taken off the table. Right. Um, so All Japan. I guess we finish up today with All Japan, right? So this was the – I love the title of this show. They did a no-fan show in Shinkiba First Ring, that little building that holds like 300 fans. Um, people might know it from the New Japan um, – not Lions Break. Those are the American ones. What yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, oh my god, why am I blanking on the name of that? Or was one? it Lions Break? Or was Lions Break the American? Lions Break is the American one. Oh, what the fuck! Oh, the worst part about this is twenty-seven people are telling us. We can't. Damn. Well, that's the advantage of having the chat room now. Maybe yeah, that some... we can hopefully. Maybe they were called Lions Break. I don't remember. Whatever. I think Lions Break are the one in the LA Dojo, right? This is the worst part. Oh my god! It's the New Japan. Uh... <laughs> Screaming, <laughs> or is Lions break the Japanese ones and the American ones are called something else? Oh my god! Oh, and they stopped doing them. The Japanese. yeah, and they they ruled, and I, I'm very pissed that they stopped doing they them. They were good shows. They did them in this little building here, the first ring. Um, New Japan, <laughs> Lions, something Lions Lions Gate, Lions Gate, Lions, Lions Gate, Lions Gate. We got it. We got it. <laughs> Stop. The Lions Gate. Yeah. Anyway, that's the building that they ran this little show in. And we talked about it a little bit at the top. But, man, this was right there with some of the Dynamites as the most enjoyable experience for a, 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 a no-fan show. They darkened the arena so you couldn't even see the seats. And, Rich, there are, this is a seven-match show. And the first five matches were done 28 minutes into the show. <laughs> you know, I loved it. Oh, my God, I loved this. Like, we were talking about it a little bit at the beginning of the show, where initially I was just like, man, these matches are going quick. And then I was like, these matches are going quick. It's, and I loved it. It was like, guys got in the ring. They did their shit. Boom, 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 in, out. I like I, more wrestling like this. More, especially in these empty arenas, more wrestling like this. Go in there, get your shit in, do your stuff, and get out of there. You know, don't have me waiting around for an hour and a half. Don't have me waiting around. Just get in there and do it. Because it was like, it was super enjoyable. You knew at the end of the match, this guy won, that guy lost. You know, and, and there was not, it wasn't like they weren't wrestling and it wasn't like they were wrestling like, like they, they, you know, they were on fire. Like they were wrestling like perfectly normal matches. It would just, you know, like do it, hit a move and he'd pin him and he'd win. And it was like, all right, cool. I was fine with it. I loved it. Yeah. The, the first five matches to me, I'm watching them and not only are they enjoyable short matches, but I'm thinking if you've never seen all Japan before and you're dying for something to watch, these were good introductions. Absolutely. To yeah. You, you knew who everybody was. You knew what everybody was, their style was and all that sort of stuff. And then they boom, boom, got in and out. And then yeah, the next guy, the next group of, of, of guys. So yeah, I, I love that as like kind of a, cause it's been a while since I watched like an entire all Japan show. So it was cool to kind of be like, Oh yeah, yeah. There's, you know, <laughs> you're like, Oh, uh, purple haze or the heels. Right. And- right. You get, you get everything. Yeah. It's, it, it was, masterfully done man three oh man these were three minutes four minutes two minutes one minute three minutes fuck yeah let's go yeah and it's not like they were like shit matches they were good little matches for those lengths too this wasn't like well except for kai and uh black men so that that, that was... that's the thing you, the show didn't get off to a great start <laughs> that was not good <laughs> that was just kind of there but after that it really i do oh my god i love the dork ass kai and the fucking opener of an all japan empty arena match i love that perfect spot for uh, you're still banging on the kai i respect he blows he sucks I like Black Mensal Ray. I like his music. That's the shot song. Yeah, you don't go to enough uh, terrible bars or clubs. And I like how, but what I don't like is I always thought he was like replicating like a cobra. 
Do you know what his gimmick is? I don't. I actually thought it was like a, a snake or something. Like a what snake is it? or a cobra? Rich, he's a tea kettle. Oh, God. <laughs> I, lo- I, well, I, I love tea, so I'm actually into that. So He's a tea kettle. It's not very... All it's not very... Uh, it's hard to get scared of a tea kettle, but... All this time, even the name Black Menso Ray, I'm like, oh, like, that's some kind of snake, right? That's some kind of dangerous fucking animal from the animal kingdom. He's a, he's a tea kettle. And then if you look at his little hat on his mask... It's a fucking tea kettle. I never noticed that before. So I don't know if I just ruined him for you. Like he kind uh, of he's, I didn't think he was very good. He kind of stinks anyway. So uh, no, you didn't See, ruin I him for me. Uh, the, the tea thing might enhance me. I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. Let me... I think he's a nice little undercard wrestler. I don't have problems with wrestlers like this if they're in the proper place. You know what I mean? That's the thing about No Fun Lanza. Everyone thinks I'm No Fun Lanza. I just don't want it like prominently you don't want geeks in your main events but you're fine with geeks in your openers exactly exactly um and then you had koji iwamoto and tajiri versus Hikaru sato and yusuke okada how good was iwamoto here especially the finish with the judo throw on okada oh my god dude yeah i hadn't, I hadn't seen the judo throw in a while or maybe i don't remember it but yeah dude yeah. i was like fuck this guy's my favorite wrestler ever now because <laughs> he bounced off the ropes and just fucking drops this dude with a judo throw and you're like it, it will if you're watching this match and and, and maybe we spoil it we should have just not told anybody because and that's what i said that's the cool thing about these short matches is they're just boom 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 they're doing stuff and all of a sudden this dude just fucking launches a judo throw boom one two three and you're like hell yeah that's like the greatest finisher in wrestling right now i love this dude i, I this was great i was all in on this i want this man to win the uh I, I'm, I'm jake lee hit the fucking bricks here's my new champion oh you're bumping up yeah oh yeah he's right up there he's up there already judo throw swama win the fucking title let's go the thing about iwamoto is sometimes he leans too heavily on the judo throws like he'll have matches where he does like six of them right i do remember seeing those before yeah they, they kind of lose their importance when he does it seven times exactly so. but a situation like this and he put away okada clean right in the middle you know and i was like wow then you had tokeo omori fiery youngster uh, versus Chikara. I liked this match. It was good, yeah. Chikara ambushes him in the beginning and, like, crotches him on the middle rope, right? And he's, like, trying to, like, steal the win. Well, Amori's trying to come down. He's trying to come down to the ring, and Chikara's, like, in his face right away. And, like, ah! And he's just like, come on, dude. Let me do my thing. Let me get my fucking wolf's, you know, yeah, yeah. fur off, and then I'll fight your ass in a minute. But Chikara wants him right away, and then he's like, ah, or is just like, okay, all right, here we go. Like, so he beats his ass, but then Chikara gets a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an edge, a little bit of an edge, and then Amori just puts him away, and then they just bow together. Chikara's just like, all right, well, I gave him my my shot and I lost, so whatever. Yeah, I tried to ambush you. It failed. <laughs> right, you're better than me. You are Takawa Mori, so that's all right. I came up short like I always do. And and Chikara is a bad pro wrestler. I mean, but the thing about it is, no one pretends he's any good. Right, it's, I, like, I, it's, it's like a Stalker Ishikawa thing. Like when you lean into that sort of comedy, it's pretty fun. I don't even think he thinks he's good. You know, he's just you know. So this again, getting the personalities over. Like you knew everything you need to know about Takeo Omori and Chikara. Yeah, you had you had stern veteran that's got no time for this bullshit. You got cheeky young guy that wants to get one over but knows he kind of sucks. And yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, quote unquote young. How yeah, old he's thirty eight years old. I, I, yeah, doing the Omori joke. If people are gonna, that's that's. Chikara's gotta be like he's 40. forty. Yeah, he's like near forty. He's like thirty eight or forty or something like that. Yeah. Um. So then we had Jiro out there with his dopey little suit jacket. And uh, he gets a quick DQ win over Johnny Valletta because, like I said, now they establish Purple Haze, right? They do this attack on Jiro. And um, what's interesting on this show is that I don't know if it was at this point or after the next match, but then they did the long promo by uh, Shotoro Oshino. 
and Ashino and Jiro were going to be in Carnival this year. How mm-hmm. disappointing is that? That sucks. Yeah, those guys would have been awesome in there. You know, I've kind of cooled off on Jiro over the years, um, but it still would have been a different change of pace. And Ashino, of course, would have been just a tremendous addition. He he came out and did a promo. Not only did he say he would have been in Carnival, but he's all Japan moving forward. Yeah, which is awesome. I, I will say one thing I didn't like. I wanted him out in there in that suit. I, you know I yeah. love Shino in the fucking suit, man. He, I know he was wearing his little t-shirt and he was doing that sort of stuff, but I want suit man Ashino. Even if he's not the champion, I want him looking like the champion at all times. And we get some answers now because he says he hinted that he's bringing friends along, which means a lot of people think he's bringing his unit along with him. And that'll inject a lot of fresh blood into All Japan in addition to just him. I mean, if he's bringing his whole unit. And it starts to answer some questions of where a lot of the Wrestle One guys are going to fall in the landscape. You know, uh, Idaba, right. got to see where he ends up. And, and people think we're crude when we say, like, we want some of these companies to go away because they're just kind of there. And 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 the, the reason it's we say that. that we want them to fold. Right, right. But the, if they're going to fold, it is beneficial to the entire industry that they go to. Instead right. of having 15 eh, companies, it's not the worst thing in the world to have four or five strong companies. And this will the wrestle one dying or wrestle one doing whatever it's going to do is going to help all Japan tremendously because they just gained a fucking superstar. In Ashino, and then some other depth talent as well. It's going to help a lot. Yeah. We'll see how Ashino assimilates in a new company where he's going to look small. There's a lot of giants in this company. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, how big is he? He's not. I don't think he's a big guy, you know, and, and he's going to get in there now with, with Suji Ishikawa and Suwama and Zeus and Jake Lee, who's like 6'4, but doesn't have the girth of some of these. Apparently he's 5'9, 215. Yeah. That's. He's not a big guy. You know, and and in Wrestle One that was okay because you know you're wrestling in Inaba or these. It's like they're all small, but like we'll see how he assimilates. And but yeah, it, it look. I'm not I'm not rooting for Wrestle One to fold. You know, but there are upsides to it. You know, we see if we see if a guy like Ashino could hang in a slightly bigger company. We see. Uh, all Japan desperately needed a new injection of talent yeah. and they're getting it. So there are upsides when this kind of stuff happens. So then we had uh, the good Italian boy, Akira Francesco with Jiro and Yoshitatsu, then defeating Johnny Valletta, Izanagi and Shigehiro Iri, Purple Haze. They did a Heyman special. They did the DQ in the singles match with Valletta and Jiro and it bled into a six-man tag. Yeah, which ruled. It's fucking great. I love it. I knew at that point you were going to love this show. When I was watching this, I was like, oh, my God. Joe is just standing and clapping at the the Heyman special, the DQ into a six-man. It's perfect. It's the DQ into the the impromptu six-man, and then the baby faces win in the end. It's it's a Heyman special. And how often do you see that in a traditional company like All Japan, of all places? Right. I was very surprised to see that here. So, cool stuff. So, they were having some fun with it. And... Like we said, as these matches were ending, the participants were going into the crowd to add atmosphere to the matches that followed them. First of which was my favorite match on the show, Jun Akiyama, Tashi Sagera, who should remain a team and win every set of tag team titles on the planet. I That's love it. Yeah, the grumpy uncles just like on their porch, you know, drinking lemonade like, all right, <laughs> put, the, put the paper down and say, all right, these young assholes want to fight us. All right. Like... And Rich... They put the boots. Oh yeah, Dan Tamora and Hokuto Omori, two young boys, or two. Uh, I guess they're not young boys. Tamora's been around a while, right? But I mean, they're still they're prelim guys. So they put the boots to these two young boys for twelve minutes and thirty two seconds. 
on a show where the other five matches combined weren't 12 minutes long. They beat the living shit out of these two guys. And it to me, it was too short. I couldn't get enough of this. Did you love this as much as I did? Oh, I did. Yeah, it was great stuff. And, and the thing, too, is what was cool about this match in particular is, like, you 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 get the idea that Akiyama and Segura could put these guys away in a minute if they wanted to. But they're just out there having a wrestle. You know what I mean? They're just like, all right, you know, these you got us out of bed. We're not gonna just do this in a minute. We're gonna really make it, you know, punish you for for you know, even thinking that you can get in the ring with us, type thing. So it's yeah. like they could have pinned him. You know, Akiyama could have fucking dropped him on his head and pinned him one, two, three. Sigura could have took his take his head off of the Lariat and pinned him. But they were like, Yeah, you know what? I'll tag, we'll do this, we'll have a little fun. Like they then you kind of get the idea that these old guys are eh, I feel like uh, you know what this is kind of fun. I'm glad we did this. You know, <laughs> you know, it, it hurts to get out of bed, it hurts to get but once you get rolling, it's like, yeah, you know, might as well keep going. And they just toyed with these kids, <laughs> just fucked them up for minute after minute. It was great, man. It did not feel like twelve minutes at all. It felt like it, it just went by in a flash. It was really, really cool. This was the proverbial cat fucking around with a half-dead mouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Just batting them around and and then putting them away. God, I love that. Like, you made us stop reading our paper, so now we're going to just, you know, all right, you wanted to fight? We'll fucking fight then. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. This is when you're 12 and you challenge your dad to a wrestling match in the living room, and you realize he has that old man strength that you can't compete with, and he can snap your neck at any time. You know, I would love to see these two guys just do a death march through various companies and just win tag team titles all over the place. Yeah, it'd be great. They were a good team. I liked it. I don't know if death march is a good analogy during a global pandemic. Yeah, maybe not a death march, but a, uh, it was, a, a run, a quote-unquote run would be, yeah. Uh, so then the main event was the match everybody's talking about. This was a 60-minute time limit draw. Jake Lee, Suji Ishikawa, and Yuma Aoyagi against Kento Miyahara, Suwama, and Zeus. Rich, it's not that the match was bad. <laughs> I don't know if it was good or bad. I don't know. <laughs> okay, then we have different takes because yeah. I, I thought that the match was good and well-worked, but there was no connective tissue from beginning to end. It didn't feel like the same match at the end that it was at the beginning, and I know that's not easy for 60 minutes, but I have to judge what I see. And because it was so long and I it, it didn't hold my attention all the way through, and yeah, the last 10 minutes were awesome, right? with Suwama and Ishikawa just beating the living shit out of each other. I can't call it a great match. Um, I also can't call it a complete waste of time. It's not, it didn't give me the feeling that Edge versus Orton gave me or Gargano versus uh, Ciampa gave me. But a lot of people are saying that this is a great match of the year caliber match. And I can't go that far with it because there just wasn't enough connective tissue throughout the match. There wasn't a, there wasn't a match long story at least one that connected with me. It felt like five different matches, and that's fine. But man, look, they tried it. I understand they have to try different things, just like we talked about earlier with some of these companies. But uh, it was a decent little match, but I, I can't go crazy for it like some other people are. Yeah, I, like maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. Like I, I was left just kind of not knowing what I had seen when it was over because it was so long. You, you know what I mean? Like I had to watch it like three different sittings because like I had watched a part of it. And then I had to go do something and I came back and I was like 20 minutes in and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, there's still 40 minutes left of this match. Like, cause I knew it was a time limit draw. Like maybe if you're watching it, not knowing that you might be, but it's just, it was so daunting to, to hit play and, and, and look at the video on, on all Japan TV. And you're like, oh Jesus Christ, this thing's got that rest of the video is this match. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this is going to happen. And, and like, there was some stuff, there was some stuff that I did enjoy. You know, I, like you said, the Suwama Ishikawa stuff at the end of the match was really, really good. The rest of it though, I, I, I was I, you know, talking right now, and I just finished it this morning. I don't know if I remember much else that happened in it. You know, and that that's, that's a problem when you go sixty minutes and you go yeah. so long, and a lot of it is just plotting, and a lot of it's just guys tagging in, tagging out, and having a wrestling match or whatever. 
you know, what was I supposed to feel after this match? I felt Ishikawa and Suama. I'm looking forward to that match, but otherwise, I don't feel anything else. Bingo. Like, what, what, what am I supposed to think? Who am I supposed to cheer for? Who am I supposed to boo? What am I supposed to want, look forward to? All I have is Ishikawa and Suama. The other 49 minutes of the match, I don't know. Like, hey, man, they went out there and worked their ass off. No, it was a good effort match, but it was when it was done, I basically just said, I don't know, was that good? I, like, in my head, I'm like, I think I liked it. I don't know. I don't remember. I'll give you another takeaway I had. Miyahara looks naked without that title. And Real quickly. Did it annoy you that he came out and he was so happy? Go lucky. Oh, I know where you're going with this. It didn't. But okay. tell me why it bothered you. Well, because I, I mean, like, this dude just it just ended like a, a historic reign. He's he's one reign away from from tying an all time mark, tying the biggest mark, one of the, the most the prestige, you know, most title reigns and all the, the most defenses, all sorts. Of, he had all this like he could have been right there on the cusp of doing it. Loses the title, he comes out, and he's kind of doing his fake, like, eh, let's all have fun, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing my old Kentomir Hard thing. Like, I'm not, I don't know what I wanted. I kind of wanted Kentomir Hard to be like, no, nah, I'm fucking pissed, man, I'm getting that title back. I hear you. He I'm not going to team with Suwama, and he's teaming with the guy. Teaming with the guy who beat him, too. That's right. Like, isn't that weird? It bothered me. I don't know why it bothered me, but it just did. I, 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 I want, I want Sulking, give me my fucking title back. No, nah, I'm not tagging with you, you asshole. Come on, let's go. I Listen, I got to be honest, I didn't occur to me in the moment, but... It's not a bad point, but I can't sit here and lie and say that I felt the same way, but not a bad point. All I could think about is he's doing his Kento Miyahara entrance and being goofy and, you know, doing his, is he looks naked without the title. And man, I already miss him as champion. I, I, I just feel like he should be the champion in this company. You know, I, to me, he is modern all Japan. He is, he's what I think of, you know, and, um, it just felt weird that he wasn't champion. I actually, I think I saw either a tweet or someone in the Discord, and they they were at when Miyahara they were watching live, and when Miyahara came out, they were like, "Ah, he didn't even bother bringing the title to this show because they, <laughs> right. they forgot he wasn't champion." That's how used it's to all we've been. known. Yeah, it's all we've known for so long. You know, and then the person was like, "Oh shit, wait a minute, no, he he fucking lost it. What am I talking about?" But um. Yeah, I mean, I can't call the match a waste of time, but at the same time, I cannot recommend it. I cannot tell you, listener of the flagship, hey, you're bored, you want some wrestling to watch, go watch this 60-minute match. I can't right, do that. Right. But I, I can tell you, go watch this show. I think especially, I think this is a very useful show if you're not super familiar with the roster. It, it, it's almost like an introductory show. Yeah, in a half an hour, you know all the major players. Um, you know that Ashino is coming in. Uh, you know the heels, you know the baby faces, you know the veterans. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a nice tight introduction to to all Japan and and all Japan. You know, here's on. Right, right, right. You got all that. And all Japan TV is a great service too. They do a great job. Uh, very clear, very obvious what's going on. So yeah, if you're if you're looking for for more wrestling, and all Japan could be pretty fun uh, moving forward. I mean, obviously, you know, pending whatever the hell happens next with the, with coronavirus or whatever. But um, uh, yeah, all Japan TV is 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 where all that stuff's on there. It's good stuff. So next week, Big Japan, <laughs> Noah Tag League, 2AW, <laughs> and maybe if some news breaks, are we finally running out of footage to talk about? Uh, we... So far, no, but we'll see. It, the, the, I do feel so like it's... Next week be it. I mean, next we... week might be it. I mean, Japan is starting to say, all right, let's get a little serious about this, what we're doing here. So, um... Are we good? Now, now look, there'll always be... There's going to be Dynamite through May 23rd. There's going to be WWE through Money in the Bank. 
I think MLW has another month left. I mean, if we need to find something, we could find it. But I think the well is finally starting to run a little dry. We <laughs> thought it was going to happen a month ago, but it didn't. We're, we're starting to run out of shit. We need news to break. That's what we need to carry these shows. Can we really come out here and open with 2AW? <laughs> Is that really going to be the lead? So you might know it as K Dojo, but t- today it's called Two AW. Do I have to sit here and do Dinosaur Takuma for twenty minutes? Do I have to do that? I mean, because uh, we could, we could do it. These are these are these are weird times, Joe. These are weird Isn't times. Kind of cool though that it kind of cleared a path for some big Japan talk. Yeah, absolutely. Month. No, I like this. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to have to just be like, "All right, Joe on Dynamite." <laughs> you know, Lance Archer came out and did this. Like, it's right. cool. Like, I'm I, you do the TV reviews obviously on Patreon. I watch them all, but it, like, I love the idea of us just watching shit that we're not used to, and, and we don't usually cover. This has been fun, but yeah, I do worry that we're we're getting pretty close <laughs> to, to it. So, uh, Dragon had a Sambo Hall show uh, on four four. You can watch that. Oh, we could do that next week, too. Boom, there it is. I was about to start it. I was about to start it before we recorded. So Can we, we play the bouncing music for three hours? <laughs> just, it just starts and bounces. Play it for three hours. I mean, we could. Just three hours of it. The and, you, and you said we can't do it live. There's a way I could do it live. To set it up is a little weird, but I could do it live if we needed to. Oh, wow. It'd be ridiculous because we would hear it in our... Like, I don't know if my brain... Like, I know people think it's fun and, and, and whatnot, but I'm thinking in my own head. I'd get distracted listening to it and trying to talk at the same time. You oh, know what I mean? Because yeah. you would not hear it, but I would hear it the entire time. It would it would show up in the recording, and the people listening on 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 Patreon, the super fans, they would hear it as well. But I don't know that I could hear it for three hours straight. That might be right. a little much. So, yeah. All yeah. right, two aw <laughs> next week. We're gonna have to get creative. Who knows? <laughs> oh God! All right, so this is pretty good. I thought that's fine. I, there was one point where I muted myself and, and I talked and you responded to me. So people thought it was kind of weird. And uh, you don't even remember when that happened, Joe, because you hear everything. But um, I muted myself in my end. So the streamers didn't hear it. But it was only one sentence. And you burped twice. Eh, I took a that. leak and I don't think anybody even knew. Unless I knew you said. I could. You didn't tell me. But I, well, knew I did. If you had checked your goddamn phone, you would have known. But that's all right. I had to check my. Oh, wait. Did my mother text me back real quick? Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, we got we got Let's do that. Oh, come on. Porn long dong. Look at that. Even knew the, even knew the, the, even There's knew his specialty. All right. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> you got her going. You got her fired up. Why do you always ask me this stuff about knowing people? LOL. <laughs> She's on to you. There's more. Yes, I've seen both in action. Whoa. All right. There's more. Oh. Ron was ugly and hairy. Yes. Okay, that's stop. That's it now. Oh, that's it. Oh, I was wondering what her take on Jenna was. There's no no take on John Holmes. Just the Ron. Oh, on, on John Holmes. Oh, right. Oh, I forget. You asked about Holmes and and, and Ron. I Jeremy. asked Ron Jeremy and John Holmes. So we could assume that she knows Jenna Jameson. Like that's that's no question. She knows Jenna Jameson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's watched Private time. Parts. She's watched I Private Parts. Ask, she knows. <laughs> I would ask her, but she might not answer, and we're running out of time. But I'm sure she knows Jenna Jameson. But uh, I like this new bit. Joe texts his mother during the show. <laughs> right. She's going to get on to you, though. She's going to start demanding some of this money, too. She called them dongs. <laughs> I do like that. I don't know if my mother would call anything dongs. but Yeah. <laughs> Big dongs. 
Yeah, long, long dongs. Oh, long dong. That's what it was. Long dongs. Okay. Maybe she doesn't respect the girth of Jeremy. I'm not asking her that. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, that's... I'll ask my mother if she respects the girth of Jeremy. Well, <laughs> report that's so that's our hook for next week. That's our hook for next week. Joe's mom responds to Joe's text about girth. Is is um, yeah? That's what you got there. Anyway, all right. That is it for us on our maiden voyage here, the Voice Wrestling Flagship Live. If you are listening on demand or you're listening on on your podcast app, we we still appreciate you. Still thank you. But if you want to listen live like our folks did, uh, voicewrestling.com/slash/patreon, patreon.com/slash/voicewrestling, the ten dollar tier. Uh, we have a WrestleMania uh, instant reactions that we mentioned are on the ten dollar tier as well. Five dollar tier is still getting stuff. I got the Lavelle look back. Uh, looking at the 2000 WCW spring break. That is up this week. Joe's tier reviews are still up there. News updates are still up there. All that other stuff's going on. Uh, we might do, might, might. We're going to see. I might do a trial run of the Q&As this weekend and try to kind of work that out before we launch it into the uh, the actual flagship. So uh, keep an eye out for that. That'll be a $10 tier. We'll get that information um, as well. But, uh, yeah, I thought this was pretty good, Joe. We went live, and it was fine. I told you it'd be fine. Yeah. Same thing we Business as usual. Business as usual. And these people waiting and, and chomping at the bit for you to say something bad. It was me that I, I got canceled. What did I? Oh, because I called Tegan Knox. I, I said Tegan Knox was good at crying. So You got canceled twice. <laughs> Which is a shame because I like Tegan Knox. I like her a lot. I could, do, I could do a joke. So a Jew, a black guy, and an Italian walking <laughs> there into a bar. Go. All right. We got to go. <laughs> we got so close. We're only two minutes left. Anyway, uh, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Grace. We'll see you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.